0: I said, Ty and Olivia here with, they are um, getting themselves organized and this is, it looks terribly professional right, for, oh, for, for this show, this show, doesn't, this, show
1: yeah, this, this show is never good, this show is it, yeah, I,
0: I have two professional musicians in this show, uh, in this uh, room and I've never had professionals in this room, well <laughs> not, well that's not, not, well, that's not true, not. not
1: professional, I mean Max has been in this room, he's pretty good drinking.
0: <laughs> Max? Um, Max? <laughs> <laughs> you uh, haven't met Max, Correa. I guess really? yeah, you haven't we met
2: yeah.
3: Max. I did? Yeah, over Wait, by which?
1: the
2: tents.
0: Kind of a short tent. obnoxious little graying Frenchman. He looks like a French arguing seller. Hair, but
1: it's, it's turning okay. Gray. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. I guess I did meet
0: him <laughs> Max briefly. is my oldest friend. Aww, um, that's we've so been sweet. best friends for nearly up on nearly 30 years.
4: Oh, wow.
3: Oh, my gosh.
0: a special friendship. Yes, well, we actually end up behaving like grumpy old men oh, if really? you ever saw the movie <laughs> oh,
3: okay, uh, okay apparently
0: he's more jack levin and apparently unfortunately i'm more walter matha which is <laughs> <Mather>. <laughs> oh my gosh
3: that's funny
0: <laughs> anyway um so what do you guys want to play we have got about five minutes till the next break okay so what, what would you like to do and what would you like to tell us about it
2: i
3: think this sure. starts with a solo song sure
0: well, we'd love to do that. So oh. you, do you tell us a little bit of the background or Course. before or after or Absolutely.
5: whatever you'd like to
0: do. And I'll actually shut up, which is pretty challenging. <laughs> yeah,
5: right. yeah,
0: You know, I'm like, I'm like so Donkey funny. from Shrek. It's not getting me to talk that's the problem.
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, this song that I'll play first um, is one that I wrote with my good friend, Mike Astrakhan. Him and I met at the NSAI Song Camp back in 2014, and for those who don't know, NSAI stands for Nashville Songwriters Association International.
0: I'm glad you said that because I didn't have a clue.
3: (laughs) Sure, sure, of course, (laughs) of course. Um, And yeah, we've been writing basically every week for about seven years, and it's really wonderful to find um, a writing partner who really just, you know gets, gets, gets it. We're on the same level, um, and Mike challenges me to be a better writer, and we wrote this song, it's so funny, the the hook, Gems, was in my phone, in my notes section. For a long time, I have a hook book, as I like to call it, in my phone, um, where anytime I have an idea, usually for a title, or even just a one-liner, who knows, I'll write it down. Even yesterday, um, our fiddle player, Josh, he was like, Oh, those look like unicorn tears. Just he said it. Like he was talking about the soap machine at the Air Force Base for the kids. (laughs) I was like, Unicorn tears. That could be a song I wrote down, you know? (laughs) All right. Well,
0: we've got about three and a half minutes. Oh, this is called Gems. Sure.
3: This is called Gems.
0: All right. go. Go for it.
3: Rubies, crystals, diamonds can't compare to the people in my life I've loved. You've got me here. You can buy me emeralds, string of pearls, but there's nothing else in this world. Like the heroes and the saints I've met along the way. No, I'd never trade them in for anything. Gems, so precious and priceless. Gems, such a blessing when you find them. They'll show up at the right time, always shining so bright. Might be a brother or a sister who helps you out again. An angel stepping in gems, shining so bright gems. Amethyst and jade might catch your eye, but it's really all about what's on the inside. When my day turns dark and dull I've got friends to call to make it colorful Splash a little pink, paint a little gold in my skies And it's cause of them I know It will be alright Gems So precious and priceless Gems Such a blessing when you find them They'll show up at the right time, always shining so bright. Might be a brother or a sister who helps you out again. An angel stepping in, gems, shining so bright, gems. Doesn't matter where you are or where you're going. You can count on them, whichever way the wind is blowing. Gems, so precious and priceless. Gems, such a blessing when you find them. They'll show up at the right time. Always shining so bright Might be a brother or a sister who helps you out again A stranger or a friend An angel stepping in Gems Shining so bright Gems
0: beautiful 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 (laughs) beautiful and you took us right into the news we will be right back with Taiwaner, the beautiful olivia francis pj and myself nick the motor guy we'll be back with
6: services and the ad council in
4: 1977 an eight-year-old boy picked up the game of golf from his father the odds of
7: that. This weather update is brought to you by Four Corner Siding. No matter the weather, Four Quarter Siding can help protect your home. We'll see increasing clouds throughout our Friday Saturday, Friday. Saturday in Friday. southeastern Wyoming. Temperatures will hit the middle 10. 80s. Late this afternoon and evening, could see a few more widely scattered showers and storms, otherwise partly cloudy. Lows in the lower 50s. Sunday and Monday, cooling off to the low and mid-70s. Sunday will have its sunshine and breezy winds with scattered rain showers and thunder. Sunday night into Monday morning. Five day weather meter Meteorologist, Don
8: For racing, we wear helmets,
9: fire retardant suits, and Nomex gloves. For fishing, waterfowl hunting, and boating, we wear life jackets. After an intense race, there's nothing more relaxing than fast fishing or a little
1: duck hunting on the lake. But we're the first ones to tell you, on the track or on the water, accidents happen
10: fast.
5: In a- Teacher. I'm a farmer. I'm a barber.
6: A waitress. A mom. We're all part of your community. Every day we move in and out of each other's busy lives. It's easy to take for granted all the little moments that make up our everyday.
0: Some are good, others not so much.
6: But that's life. It's when you experience a moment of uncertainty, something or someone's behavior that doesn't seem quite right.
5: These are the moments to take a pause.
6: Because if something doesn't feel right, it's probably not. It's not about paranoia
0: or being afraid.
6: It's about standing up and protecting our communities.
0: One detail at a time.
6: Because a lot of little details can become a pattern. We, 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 we trust our instincts.
0: Just like you should.
6: Because only you know what's not supposed to be in your every day.
8: So protect your every day.
6: If you see something suspicious, say something to local authorities. peek boo
0: Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. AM 650,
11: KGAB is everywhere you are. On your radio, on your phone, with our free mobile app, and now Alexa. Listen to KGAB on Echo, Dot, and any Alexa device. Just download and enable the KGAB skill on the Alexa app. Then say, Alexa, play KGAB. Now
10: listening to KGAB.
11: We'll even help with tech support. Go to KGAB.com. Click on KGAB on Alexa, and setup is easy from AM650 KGAB.
0: Nickel Motor Guy back here on CarGab with Ty Warner, Olivia Francis, PJ Dodson. Uh, we have turned it a bit into music, Gab, and you know what? That's what I. I get to get away with this, well, until somebody tells me I can't, (laughs) Um, which they haven't yet. Um, And we were just reminiscing, or I was reminiscing, um, Geronimo's Cadillac's one of my favorite songs, and I've spoken about this gentleman many times on this show. He's much, much missed. The late, great Steve Cooper, um, the voice of rock radio throughout this region for 40 years, the huge rock station kbpi down in denver was put on the map by cooper and others back in the late 70s early 80s um it survives today not quite in the format it was but uh unfortunately unfortunately commercial radio is uh has changed um but uh, and you don't get the great djs that you used to you don't have those great names in small markets like this we've got some great people and we're very fortunate in this uh in this station now in our group of stations to have a couple of very talented guys one in the morning on uh, 106.3 and um mad in the morning on uh on king but it's it doesn't have the Mystique, I guess that it did. It's a show. It's a show, yeah, and a radio show, yeah, you know. Um, I, and I'm so fortunate to be allowed to do this yeah. and, and do what, and be it, you know, getting folks like you in, or getting a non-profit in, it's or really talking fun, about yeah. cruise nights, which we do have to do a quick thing on cruise
2: nights, but I'll do that a little bit later in the show. Well, let, let me just say that, first of all, uh, it 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 would be uh, a big regret for us to not recognize what you do in our community, Nick, really. I mean, with the Cars, Guitars, and Cigars, Cruise Nights, everything you've done, your benevolency is unparalleled. Oh, the, I, our, our community is tremendously, tremendously grateful for well, everything I, you do, and your family as well to, to work It's the family and my, it's my employees, it's sh- yep. it really is.
0: I, <clears throat> as I As I say all the time, I'm the mascot. uh, You're a uh, good one. I'm I'm the mouthpiece out (laughs) front. I mean, without what my amazing wife Brooke does in the background, constantly um, to run the businesses, support the businesses, all the financial side, um, we simply couldn't do what we've been able to do. I and mean, PJ's been involved in philanthropy since he was basically able to walk because he yeah, didn't yeah, get a choice example,
8: exactly
0: <laughs> but, it, but and you've brought your friends in my daughter Gabby has done the same yeah. thing our employees and watching them change when they get involved in the community from this is just a job and a paycheck to oh wow I can there's something more I might be 19 yeah. I might be 20 I might be 25 I might be 40 and never been involved in the yeah. community before mm. And to see that psyche change, and not everyone could do it, unfortunately, but occasionally you'll see the coin drop. And when you do, it's just, it's fantastic. You go, okay, we won that battle. And now then- you remember it's not just about fixing a car or fixing a motorcycle, it's about the people involved. And you find those people, if the coin doesn't drop, you make them a part of it, and that's another part of your magic well yeah i mean that's what you do right because this world is about people yep and thank goodness and i think this is something that's really been forgotten um particularly in the the increasingly polarized society we've lived in over the last seven to eight years in my opinion um is we got to remember it's okay to be different because if we were all the same man would it be boring (laughs) if we all had to sit around and all agree together um, on whatever it is discussion counterpoints are all part of you and we could sit here and talk music and PJ's going to play something which quite honestly I I want to just turn off because it's appalling in my opinion (laughs) and I can have that discussion and he thinks the same thing and it's funny I've become my father Interesting. Because my, my father is a classical music lover, above incredibly knowledgeable on it. I had listened to the entire Ring Cycle by Oh I don't know, probably eight. Um, and then I found rock music and Led Zeppelin and Rush, and that was that was not his thing. Yeah, so be it. But he, but he came around and he listened to certain bands, Electric Light Orchestra. He loved because he, included, he heard so much of the music that he'd heard see, and saw them incorporate and He really enjoyed that. Jeff piece. Lynn
1: was just amazing about that because he, he said, I want to make modern classical music pretty much. He goes, yeah. I want people to hear these things they've been hearing for hundreds of years just completely differently. And he, he did it better than anyone ever had. I mean, yeah,
0: I mean, and taking that early stuff, the early electric light orchestra of the late 60s as it came from Roy Wood and the Move, yeah. into what became ELO. And now, I mean, Jeff Lynn is probably mind, one of the greatest producers. Yeah, especially in is. my
1: mind, e- ELO and Jeff Lynne, just is one of the greatest bands ever. Jeff Lynn's one of the greatest musicians in general, producers, everything. I mean.
0: I mean he's he's a remarkable, mm-hmm. remarkable guy. I mean, if it were And the, it's funny, you can listen to the 90s stuff when he was producing a lot of the famous guys, particularly after the Travelling Wilburys stuff. Sure. Um, you'd listen to a Penny record, you go, Oh, Lim produced that, yeah. huh. and then you'd hear uh, well, uh, Paul McCartney when he uh, um, did Flaming Pie album. Yeah. Oh yeah, oh, that's amazing. Jeff Lynne.
1: <laughs> I mean, he, he's <laughs> amazing. He's everywhere. He produced rock and metal to him, and he did everything. Everything yeah? he absolutely could. He's, yeah, amazing. One well,
0: of the new ELO albums of the last three, four years where they've gone back out on the road and I like, got to see them we live, got to which see I mean, them, yeah. we got to see them.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and. You listen to that album, and then you look at the credits for the musicians, and it's Jeff Lee he, he 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 played everything. He played every. He played every track. Just played just down got, every... He just got a
1: bunch of session musicians when they toured. It was
0: And really the session awesome. musicians were incredible.
3: Incredible, yeah. They had
0: I mean, t- all... twin sisters on cellos. Are you familiar with Light Orchestra's music at all?
3: Sort of, but not, not really. So
0: back in the day, they'd have a whole orchestra behind them, and he did it on a smaller scale, but these two lady young ladies on cellos that just oh my goodness i saw him at radio city music hall in new york uh, brooke bought me tickets for my birthday back in 16 and then we saw him again in i think 19 In 19 yeah and just
1: wow. if you i don't know if you know a lot about ELO, but just watch one of their per- live performances from the 80s 70s i mean full
0: certainly full the intro,
3: 70s full wow. band
1: orchestra I mean it's amazing yeah, yeah. Well, along really with rock amazing. music it's it's really cool
0: it is and it it, it it developed everything together anyway I could do this show for another four hours with you guys the yeah. trouble is we've got about 15 minutes left so and I really want to hear what you guys are going to do so I'm going to take one break here because we need to fit that in. Um, and then we'll come back in and we're gonna let you loose for a few minutes and then t- maybe give you 10 minutes to show us what you can do. Okay. Well, we already know what sure. you can do, yeah. Lydia. you're awesome. <laughs> <laughs> we just go get the old man in <laughs> <part>. <laughs>
12: Not much. <laughs> uh, yeah.
0: Yeah. And Ty, by the way. Yes, sir. When you were very kind to, to give me the, the credit, but yeah. what you have done, um, for so many charities, particularly for the domestic violence yeah. uh, charity here in this town. Carlos, um, you've been one of my mentors. You're the one of the people I looked up to and went, that's what I need to do and try to be. And Thank so, you so much. Nick. Um, without people like you, people like me coming behind would never have learned that. So. You're a huge part of it. I got to make sure you're talking to the right guy. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, no, no, no. That's a wall behind you. (laughs) But
2: thank you so much, sir. Yeah.
0: I mean, and you've used you've used your skills in music. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, the songs you've written and and will remember today, of course, Robin. Um, Mm. You know, that was and it's strange how we have always been tied together. Robin was in my store that afternoon before she came out. So, yeah, so, the, so our
2: air force is pushing right now. We, we're we're pushing resiliency, right? And that's the whole thing. If you have to go to break, we'll go to break.
0: No, I can go to break whenever I want. I just yeah, don't want to miss yeah. you guys playing. Let's 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 play a song
2: then. <laughs> All let's right, just do
0: that. Why don't you Why don't you play a song and then I'll do a break okay. when we come out of it? How's that?
4: Sounds good. Do you
0: want to do um? What do you want to do? You want to do Blue Moon or do you want, want to do Blue Moon? Sure. Or, uh, let's
2: do that. And then maybe
4: you're okay. my tomorrow. Okay.
0: Yep. Okay. All right. So we have Taiwan Olivia Francis. PJ and I are going to turn our mics off and we're going to sit back and have fun.
2: Can you just talk about your... This, this is one of your signature cuts. Of course. Yeah.
3: So this is a song that is out and about. You can find it on uh, all the places where music can be listened to. I wrote this with my friend Mike Astrakhan and it's on my latest album, Orchid. And it's really just about um, being in a relationship that doesn't really it's not really working anymore but you stay in it for longer than you should. It goes like this yeah. She said yes. Seven years ago Back then he treated her Like gold Now he's good as gone But she's still hanging on For the moment she treasures most Once in a blue moon He buys her flowers And takes her by the hand He looks into her eyes Once in a blue moon He holds her tight Whispers in her and kisses her good night once in a blue moon. Ooh, 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 ooh. He stays out late at the bar. Sometimes he doesn't Come home She thinks he's in the bed But it's all in her head She's got no messages On her phone But once in a blue moon He bites her flowers and takes her by the hand, he looks into her eyes, once in a blue moon, he holds her tight, whispers in her ear, and kisses her goodnight. Should she stay Once in a blue moon he buys her flowers and takes her by the hand He looks into her eyes Good night. Nice.
1: guys That's amazing that was
0: fabulous thank you my goodness tie water on guitar, on guitar. Uh, oh, thank uh, you so much olivia francis uh just fabulous thank you I've
1: brought tears my eyes. Oh Oh god. That's an amazing chord progression.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
1: That was so good. That was really lovely.
12: Well,
0: we're gonna take a break while I gather myself because yeah, I was I'm being a little pitiful here. Um (laughs) as usual. Yeah, we oh yeah, this is the guy who cries at Babe the Pig movie. Um, so (laughs) (laughs) I just said that publicly, didn't I? Anyway, um, we will be back. Uh, so I don't make a fool of myself any further guys that was fabulous That's we'll amazing. be right back Thank AM so 650 KGAB. Next
2: week is self-disclosure. the thought of my sons growing up without me inspired me to quit smoking I talked to my doctors and then I threw away all my cigarettes ashtrays and lighters
11: I started exercising instead of smoking
2: getting support from friends online kept me on track staying away from alcohol when I was first
11: quitting was key
2: Instead of smoking after I ate, I'd get up and take a walk.
4: I missed having a cigarette in my hand, so I'd hold a pen or a straw, anything.
2: Until I knew I wouldn't give in to temptation, I spent more time with my friends who didn't smoke. I went
11: to places that were smoke-free.
2: I didn't stay quit the very first time I tried.
4: I kept on trying, and I learned something each time. Do whatever it takes, no matter
9: how many times it takes.
6: I quit. I quit. I quit. We did it, so can you.
9: You can quit. For free help, call 1-800-QUIT-NOW. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and CDC.
0: 650 KGA being Nick the Motor Guy I'm somewhat gathered that uh, Olivia that was really really fantastic uh Thank Olivia you. Francis uh with us from Nashville in the studio yes we've turned it into a bit of music gab I got PJ here um as you know if you've listened to the show he has uh, embarked on a career in music or is trying to starting whatever but it's his hugest passion. So I'm so proud to have you here today with Ty Warner uh, with us as well. I do want to take a very quick minute just to talk about Cruise Nights. Uh, Showing Cruise Nights tonight. Again, we continue. Had a fantastic turnout last week. Unfortunately, I couldn't be here because, well, I was doing Sydney motorcycle things. Um, but uh, a lot of money raised last week. This week's charity is the Ocean Coalition. Um you can look them up on facebook on the cheyenne cruise nights page uh come out and talk to them you probably don't have a clue what the ocean coalition does what it does is basically promotes the end of use of single-use plastics um because they are clogging our oceans they're doing tremendous amounts of damage to our wildlife to our uh, very fragile planet that we actually live on Um, The people who run this, uh, Kelly uh, in particular, are very special people. Come out to Cruise Nights tonight. Go and stand on that corner with them on 25th and Central. Go and talk to them. Hear what they do, why they do it, how they do it. And you know what? Chuck a a couple of bucks in the bucket. Because that's how we raise money for nonprofits in Cheyenne now. We go out, we cruise our cars, we buy a burger from our local restaurants, we have fun, and we throw bucks in buckets which do good things for our community. I can't think of anything more to say on that one, so, uh, so awesome. All right, we have six, five minutes or so of the show left, so I am going to turn it over to the incomparable Olivia Francis, Ty Warner. And you can take us out, and I'll kind of give you a one-minute signal when we're into the last minute. How's that?
3: Okay, sounds good. Does that sound good? Sure.
0: All right. Go for it, guys. You you, you take the show from here. It's your show.
3: Sure. Thank you so much. Well, yes, we have one more song. I'd like to end end on a happy Happy note. note. I I get it. That would be great. We're going to sing a song we wrote together. Um, down in nashville and it's just all about how there's so much beauty everywhere all each one of us has so much love in our hearts and um we really live in just such a magnificent world around us and sometimes on the dark days it can be hard to see but there really is so much beauty
2: love it thank you nick thank you pj proud to be thank you
3: With the dawning day The sun is giving us The gift of light See the birds and bees coming through the trees oh there's magic in this morning oh love is everywhere just imagine if we try to share our compassion we will change the world make it happen kindness is our prayer oh love is everywhere Walking down the street, strangers passing by and sharing smiles. Neighbors say hello, children learn and grow. Oh, the world and all her wonder! Oh, love is everywhere. Just imagine if we try to share our compassion. We will change the world, make it happen. Kindness is our prayer. Oh, love is everywhere. Growing in flower pots and garden beds in the hearts of your family and your friends. In the moon, the waves, the sun, and the stars, It's here, it's there, wherever you are We've got to live together Put a little love in your heart Give peace a chance All you need is love Oh, love is everywhere Just imagine if we try to share our compassion, we will change the world, make it happen. Kindness is our prayer. Oh, love is everywhere. Ooh, Ooh.
0: Wow. So that song. Is how I first met you. <laughs> that's right. Uh, uh, Full when supper. you, uh, yeah, that was fabulous. Um, it's a, it's a wonderful song, uh, thank and you. Uh, and yeah, that was that's how I met you in February, across not not in person at that point, but it's it's right. so fantastic to have you here. Um, it's to be thank here. you, thank you for coming. Um, I'm I'm just gonna book you now in July. I don't care oh, what great. else is happening. I, know, but, Josh, but,
3: I am house. actually okay. I'm playing I'll I'm playing it. out a few shows. Ty, what's my I schedule? Oh headlining, oh <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's very, very sweet. Oh <laughs> 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 well, thanks PJ. Well maybe one day I'll be headlining out. Right, yeah. I do not know. There's no maybe it. There's no way. Me- oh, thanks, Ty. <laughs> <laughs> we know this. <laughs> well,
0: I uh, we, we we're going to we, we we're going to hold you on this little show for. Maybe uh. you want to come and do the whole two hours. Maybe we can bring in a couple of other local musicians. Yeah. Just yeah, to I'd
1: be yeah, so I could fun. Bring my bass or something.
3: I mean, yeah, I would love that. Let's to play together. Yeah, that'd be nice great. Um, oh, yeah,
0: I just just let us know but I, if, you'd, if I can book you for that Saturday that you're here I'd love yes. to have you come oh, back no. on the show it's thank you so I'd love
3: to come back I love okay, chatting good. with you <laughs> such a great such a great time
0: oh well, this is I think, wonderful I think, oh, never mind. And, and guys I, I hate to do this but we have like 40 seconds of the show left. <laughs> um, this is what happens when this this show does what it's meant to do which is have fun Wish and please everybody remember just have fun enjoy your neighbors. It was something I learned over the last few days is this country has so much to offer and we have so much more to offer when we stick it together as a community. So remember that. With that, we'll say goodbye.
10: Nearly five dozen House Republicans pen a letter to the President. I'm Pam Puso. Fox News. 56, to be exact, they want Vice President Kamala Harris removed from her role handling the southern border.
9: We're coming on about three months now
8: since VP Kamala Harris was appointed as the so-called border czar, if you will. And still, she has not come down here and actually taken a look at the ongoing border surge, which continues to get worse every day. And what VP Harris has essentially done is says she wants to focus on the root causes of the migration crisis, uh, talking about the economic situations going on. She recently visited Guatemala, where she announced the formation of an anti-corruption task force. She said
7: the U.S. is going to give more money, but she had several gaps with the Media, when she was asked why she hasn't come down here yet.
10: Fox's Bill Malusion. Following her foreign trip, Vice President Harris said she would visit the border, but no date has been set. The VP will be traveling to Pittsburgh on Monday, where she'll push President Biden's infrastructure plan. Democrats and Republicans have been working on a deal, but differences remain, in particular, how to pay for it.
8: What we'd like to focus on is finding the dollars that have already been appropriated but not yet committed and not yet sent out for COVID relief, uh, including the PPP program and including some other funds that may very well have been in for unemployment benefits that a number of our states have rejected.
10: Senator Mike Rounds of South Dakota. Democrats are looking to raise corporate taxes. A beloved and cherished member of the president's family has passed away. The Biden's German shepherd, Champ, has died. He had been with the family for 13 years. They have a second German shepherd named Major. Drenching rain is pelting parts of the Gulf Coast. Claudette is still a tropical storm but should weaken later today. America's listening to Fox News.
13: Day is coming up, and it's a perfect time to give that Fox Dad in your life the greatest gift of all. Exclusive Fox News gear. Go to shop.foxnews.com and use code FOXDAD at checkout for 15% off on all orders now through June 20th. Fox News hats, t-shirts, polos, mugs, socks, backpacks, and so much more. That's shop.foxnews.com and be sure to use code FOXDAD at checkout for 15% off on all orders now through June 20th. Happy Father's Day from all of us at Fox News Channel. Due to overwhelming demand we're extending our special grateful nation offer
9: we're giving all active military and veterans Fox Nation for free for an entire year get the shows that celebrate our country and the people that serve and protect it
7: so if you haven't subscribed to Fox Nation do it now because we're extending this special offer
9: if you're active military or a veteran go to foxnation.com right now thank you for your service and your sacrifice and enjoy your free year of Fox Nation
10: a major figure in European politics could be heading for eventual sainthood in the Catholic Church.
9: Historians might soon be adding the title of saint to French statesman Robert Schumann. The Vatican and Pope Francis on Saturday approving a decree citing Schumann's, quote, heroic virtues, unquote, as a former prime minister, finance minister, and foreign minister for France after World War II. That decree now allowing Schumann to be referred to as venerable by Catholics. As foreign minister in 1950,
5: he developed a plan promoting European economic unity in hopes of furthering peace. That idea forming the basis for the eventual European Union. The Vatican describing Schumann, who died in
9: 1963, as a man of Catholic faith. Paul Stevens, Fox News.
10: The music's loud at a festival in Britain this weekend. And even better, masks are not required. (laughs) Call them heavy metal guinea pigs. In the first event of its kind, since the coronavirus struck Great Britain, thousands
9: of hard rocking metal fans have descended on Donnington Park in central England for the three day download fest. It's a human experiment of sorts to find out whether mass gatherings can resume without triggering outbreaks of COVID-19. About 10,000 fans all tested for COVID beforehand are on hand to see more than 40 UK based bands like Frank Carter and the Rattlesnakes to Bullet but for my valentine get loud the event runs through sunday karen McHugh, fox news
10: it was a very different scene in western france where police broke up an unauthorized rave last night the partiers weren't happy and some of them clashed with police throwing gasoline bombs metal balls and other projectiles police say one man lost his hand and several other people were hurt france does plan to lift its overnight curfew on sunday
12: apply see store for details Same.
7: This weather update is brought to you by Four Corner Siding. No matter the weather, Four Corner Siding can help protect your home. We'll see increasing clouds throughout our Saturday in southeastern Wyoming. Temperatures will hit the middle 80s. Late this afternoon and evening, could see a few more widely scattered showers and storms, otherwise partly cloudy. Lows in the lower 50s. Sunday and Monday, cooling off to the low and mid-70s. Sunday, will have its sunshine and breezy winds with scattered rain, showers, and thunder. Sunday night into Monday morning. I'm Day Weather Meteorologist Don Watsell
5: am 650 G A B Cheyenne's number one news talk radio station you're in tune with the uh, weekend in Wyoming program on the phone I have dr. Thomas Peter Martin of the University of Wyoming good morning sir good morning Uh, can
14: you hear me
5: I can hear you just fine can you hear me okay
14: I can hear you well thanks
5: okay now dr. Martin uh, tell us a little bit about yourself first of all
14: okay well um... I grew up in um, Albuquerque, New Mexico, and um, from there I got my undergraduate degree in material science and engineering from the um, University of Washington in uh, Seattle. And after that, I went and uh, got a PhD in um, material science and engineering from the University of Florida, um, which is a top ten ranked engineering school. So my background isn't specifically in nuclear physics, but it is in um, materials and materials design and things like that, which um, obviously are critical uh, going into a reactor, Uh, no pun intended. Um, You know, most reactor accidents happen um, due to materials failures. And so, um, you know, after that, I. I came back and I was looking for a job. Uh, My background was in the semiconductor industry mainly, um, but I noticed that the University of Wyoming needed somebody to run their transmission electron microscope and I had a lot of experience with that. So I took that job and um, I've really enjoyed it out here in Wyoming. Um, I love the uh, climate. I love the um, kind of culture and the people. It's only a 12-hour, well, 9-hour drive from uh, home, and, um, you know, I actually enjoy teaching a lot more than I thought I would. Um, I teach a class several times a year on the electron microscope. Uh, In fact, I'm just finishing up one uh, next week, so um, that's kind of a little bit of background on myself.
5: Now, Doctor Martin, the reason I invited you on the show was that uh, you sent us a letter saying you have grave concerns, uh, and that's the word you, phra- uh, you the uh, phrase you used: grave concerns about the proposed Wyoming nuclear reactor. Is that correct?
14: Uh, yes, it is. Um, and um, the primary concern I have is um, well, there's there's two concerns I have. Um, one is that. Um, because this is um, being sponsored, um, you know, pri- in, uh, by the private sector, um, I want to um, make sure that the design is thoroughly vetted by somebody who has no ties to um, the people sponsoring it or their money. Um, so basically, a third party needs to review the design in detail. Um, I looked very closely online uh, for everything I could find about this reactor. And it was all quite, um, it was all quite vague. It gave a few details that I was able to glean, but none of the um, you know more intricate design details that I might be able to say, you know, this is a safe design or this is a not safe design. So I think there needs to be an independent audit of it um, before it's approved. That's one thing that concerns me. The second thing that concerns me is that this is a liquid sodium cooled reactor. So most, um, well, so a little bit of background is that um, basically every nuclear reactor has what's known as a primary coolant loop and a secondary coolant loop. And so the primary loop is what runs through the reactor core and absorbs the heat from the um, fission and the decay products and they're generated in the core, and that superheated fluid then goes through a heat exchanger where the heat is transferred to a secondary loop uh, where steam is produced and that then drives a turbine and generates electricity. Now, in their primary loop, um, most um, commercial reactors uh, use water, um, which has several advantages and several downsides. Um, but this particular reactor is using sodium, uh, which also has several advantages and downsides. Um, The biggest downside is that, well, there's two downsides. One is that sodium is a very strong neutron absorber. It becomes highly radioactive when it passes through, say, the core of a nuclear reactor where there's neutrons present. Um, And the second, of course, is that Um, Sodium is a very reactive metal, I'm sure many people have seen demonstrations where a piece of solid sodium is um, thrown in water and it burns very violently. Um, And so of course liquid sodium that's been superheated, if it's exposed to air it will also burn violently. Um, So any leak in their primary coolant system will create an intensely radioactive fire.
5: So that's a big concern then by itself.
14: Yes, so they have to be very careful in how they design their primary coolant loop to ensure that there's absolutely uh, no possibility of leaks. And they're going to have to have some kind of inspection schedule to make sure um, that the materials they build their primary coolant loop um, piping out of uh, don't degrade over time because neutrons um, do tend to degrade most uh, metal alloys over time. Um,
5: Dr. Martin, if sodium is such a concern, why not just use water for this reactor?
14: uh, Well, so um, what they're building is something called a fast reactor. So um, water is typically used in um, what are known as uh, moderated reactors. So um, When a neutron comes from an atom, after it's been fissioned, it has a lot of kinetic energy. And um, when you have water in the reactor core, that acts to uh, thermalize it, essentially. So through scattering events off the water, um, the neutron loses energy. And when it's at a lower energy, it actually has a higher probability of um, colliding with a fissile atom and fissioning it. Um, so, they want to use a fast reactor. So, sodium will not moderate um, the neutron in the same manner that water will. So, it'll absorb some of them, but the ones that doesn't absorb will pass right through it and maintain their kinetic energy. And this allows them to... Um, burn up heavier isotopes of plutonium, let's say, than um, a moderated reactor. So isotopes like plutonium uh, 240, 242, uh, things like that that are usually nuclear waste can be used as fuel, and because it has better neutron economy, it actually produces more fuel than it consumes, so it's considered a breeder reactor. Um, One downside of this design is because there's a lower probability of a fission event happening per neutron, they need to use more highly enriched fuel. So a normal reactor um, might only need to be enriched to say 5%, this might need to be enriched to say 20 or even 30%.
5: Okay, and obviously I'm just a layman and I don't pretend to be otherwise, so I'll ask what may be a stupid question. If that's the case, does that mean a an accident here could be five times as uh violent as an accident with a water cooled reactor
14: um well it depends on the mechanism of uh the accident so okay um in fukushima for example several things went wrong um so they did shut down um the fission process Um, But a nuclear reactor generates about 20% of its power um, from the decay heat of the um, fission byproduct. So when an atom fissions, it um, splits into two atoms and those two atoms are generally um, radioactive themselves and those decay and as they decay they release heat and that contributes to the heat generated by the reactor. And so, in Fukushima, what happened is they weren't able to keep the the core cooled and so the heat from the decay byproducts built up until it melted down and then um, because they were using water in their reactor, um, the zirconium uh, piping, once it heated up enough, um, zirconium will react with water and when it does, um, that'll release hydrogen gas, which then exploded. Um, So that's what happened there. In this case, um, Bill Gates, or at least uh, the the company TerraPower, claims that they have, uh, quote unquote, a passive cooling system, where um, in the event of a shutdown, instead of having to run water through the core, that just natural convection of air will allow it to dissipate the decay heat. Um, Now, that's a claim they've made. I haven't seen anything in literature validating um, that uh, their design can actually do that. Um, But that begs another question, which is um, how well contained is this if it relies upon convection? Um, So, Um, that's another potential concern is if it's open to the air essentially and you have air circulating through it and then you have say a sodium leak um, that would make it much easier for that radioactive sodium to escape.
5: Okay I'm speaking with Dr. Thomas Peter Martin from the University of Wyoming we're discussing uh, the proposed uh, nuclear reactor that uh, was announced recently, and by the way, at 11.33, I'm going to replay an interview that Glenn Woods did this week uh, with the governor about that reactor. Um, by the way, we are taking calls if anybody has any questions or comments, 632-3323. So, Dr. Martin, um, if I'm understanding you correctly, you have some concerns about some claims with the safety mechanism that you considered questionable. Would that be an accurate summary?
14: Yes, so um, I think, um, well, first of all, um, the easiest way to test their claims would be, you know, to set up um, resistive heating elements that don't have any nuclear material, Mm -hmm. heat them um, to a worst-case scenario type temperature, and see if the convective uh, mechanism works. Um, I haven't seen any evidence that that test has been performed. Um, Another uh, concern with that particular um, safety feature is that if it's using um, the natural convection of air, um, basically as the air is heated, the warm air will rise and draw in cool air, um, then it has to essentially be open to atmosphere uh, instead of being in a containment vessel. And so, if it is, then um, if the sodium uh, primary coolant loop were to develop a leak, it would, um, as I said earlier, uh, burn violently, uh, the sodium would, of course, be intensely radioactive um, from exposure to neutrons in the core. And because sodium is um, so common in um, pretty much all life forms, It would be uptaken very readily if it made it in the atmosphere and precipitated out.
5: So this sounds, and again, I'm a layman and I'm not trying to sensationalize this, but if I'm understanding you correctly, this sounds like a potentially very dangerous situation. Is that accurate?
14: Yes, potentially if the proper safeguards aren't taken. Um, Sodium cooled reactors have been used in the past. Um, I've looked at the history of sodium reactors. Several have been shut down due to um, minor accidents and sodium fires that were contained. Um, the question is, um, would this reactor be able to contain a sodium fire if one were to happen? Um, and the other question, I guess, would be, um, you know, uh, what materials are they using in their piping? And a final concern is that um, so a one benefit of a liquid metal cooled reactor is you can get away with using um, lower pressures because um, water, of course, boils at a relatively low temperature,
4: right.
14: and sodium doesn't boil until a very high temperature. Um, so you can heat it much higher and um, get better thermal efficiency. Um, the problem being that um, if the reactor is shut down for any reason, then that liquid metal coolant will solidify. And once it does that, it's almost impossible to restart the reactor. So a little bit of history in this regard. Um, The Soviets um, and their Alpha-class submarines used a lead bismuth eutectic-cooled nuclear reactor Um, Basically, again, a liquid metal cool reactor, and it gave great performance at a very um, small size, which is what they're aiming for. The problem is that whenever there was an uh, accident in the reactor that called for shutting it down, then the coolant would solidify, and the reactor was basically um, permanently disabled. They had to replace the entire unit. And so this puts a great deal of pressure on the reactor operators to potentially overlook um, encroaching safety concerns in the interests of keeping the reactor critical so that it doesn't um, essentially have to be rebuilt. Um, So I want to make sure that, you know, proper protocols are in place and enforced um, so that and operator doesn't um, push the boundaries of what would be considered acceptable in an effort to save the reactor.
5: So you're, you're concerned about economic concerns overriding safety concerns in a nutshell? Yes. Now, Dr. Martin, uh, this of course is all on the drawing board. It hasn't been constructed yet. They don't even know for sure where they're going to build it. Could they make changes in the, um, in the plans for this to make it safer that would address your concerns?
14: Oh, absolutely. Um, in fact, um, I haven't even seen the plans for the reactor because they're, um, proprietary, I believe at this point, um, I think to address my concerns, um, the primary thing that would need to be done is to have an outside consulting firm, um, that has a, um, a good reputation, um, examine this, um, they could do it under a non-disclosure agreement if um, TerraPower is concerned about their design leaking. Um, but we basically need somebody who has no financial incentive to approve this or um, reject this design to take a look at it and um, point out potential safety flaws and then address those before building begins.
5: Okay, what, what sort of regulatory processes or, or agencies are in place to deal with, with a reactor like this? I, I don't know, would that be the the uh, Federal Energy uh, the Regulatory Commission, or who would it be?
14: So, um, I know the Department of Energy has experimented with miniaturized nuclear reactors in the past. Um, they built a lot of our submarine reactors, um, which are also miniaturized, obviously, because they have to go into a submarine. Mm-hmm. Um, So they might be a good candidate. There's also the Nuclear Regulatory Permission, Um, but um, given the amount of influence that people like um, Gates and Buffett and whatnot have um, kind of at those levels, um, I would say potentially that you might want to have scientists from both Nuclear Regulatory Commission or the Department of Energy and an outside commercial firm um, examine this. And the other thing that I would want to see happen is to um, look very carefully at the deal and make sure that um, the company building it is responsible for any accidents. that might happen. I know that a lot of times um, energy producers are able to negotiate deals with the government where um, they become essentially um, immune from any uh, lawsuits or, um, you know, other, how would I say, other consequences of um, safety features failing. And so as long as they're on the hook for any um, potential release of radioisotopes or things like that, then I think it'll be in their best interest to make it as safe as possible. Um, And I also think that having outside eyes who have no vested interest one way or the other very closely examine the design and potentially test some of these claims on their own uh, would be a good, um, you know, a good safeguard. It's sort of like um, if you had a car company that um, was trying to sell you a car, and they claimed that they had performed these um, tests, and they say this is the safest car, you know, that's ever been built, and it'll survive an accident. Non, non, non you wouldn't want to buy that car unless those claims have been reviewed by, um, the national transportation board, for instance, right? Um, you wouldn't just take the company's word for it. You want, um, a third party to look in and verify that yes, these claims are true or no, they're exaggerating their claims. So, um, at this point I can't say whether it's one or the other, I just don't have enough information. Um, but what I can say is there's sort of, um, uh, what would the word be? Um, it's sort of like, um, designing a fireplace, right? Um, it's a very good thing to have in your home. It will heat your house. It'll, um, do it at a good price. Um, but if it's poorly designed, um, you can die of carbon monoxide poisoning or it could start a fire or it could cause other problems. So it has to be done properly. And so, um, there's building codes for where fireplaces are built and how they're built. And all I'm saying is that we need something similar for this, because it's basically a giant fireplace that's generating power. Um, the only difference is that in this case, if there's an accident, it could potentially affect a large region of the state because Even though the half-life of the radioactive sodium is only 15 hours, um, depending on the amount released, it could take many half-lives for it to decay away to the point where it was safe. And with the winds the way they are in Wyoming, it could spread quite a distance.
5: Dr. Martin, it looks like we have a caller. Good morning, caller. You're on the air.
14: Yeah, yes, sir. I got it. I got a question. If it's so
11: dangerous, why are we even building in the state of Wyoming?
14: Well, um, that is um, another thing that came to mind. Is that um, if uh, Gates and Company are so convinced that their uh, design is safe, then why aren't they building it in a state like California that already?
11: Bingo! Right on. right on dude excellent point you
8: have a great day sir bye-bye
5: so so you think wyoming maybe is is being chosen because we we don't have experience regulating these type of projects and they might think that they can get it through more easily is that sort of what you're saying well
14: i think wyoming might be being chosen simply because it's um aside from alaska the most sparsely populated, uh, state in the country. Mm -hmm. And so if there were to be an accident, the number of people exposed would be smaller than if they built it somewhere else. And so their liability would then potentially be lower. Um, that thought had crossed my mind. Um, I'm not sure if their reasoning or their official reasoning for building it out here. I mean, obviously if we can land this deal and, You know, get this outside income into the state during the state uh, budget crisis, Um, and that would be a wonderful thing for the state. Um, But we have to make sure it's done safely, and that we're not just being used as essentially a lab
5: Dr. Martin, we're down to just a couple minutes left here. In in summary, if I'm hearing you correctly, and correct me if I'm not, it sounds like you're not opposed to the concept, but you want some safety uh, safeguards in place and some uh, some close looks taken by regulators who don't have a bias would that be accurate
14: yes absolutely um, for example um, the uh, the sodium uh, when it gets hit with neutrons um, it will decay uh, with a half-life of 15 hours into magnesium uh, magnesium is not soluble in sodium and it Going to be a solid at the temperatures they're using, so most reactors have some kind of cold trap to remove sodium from the system so it doesn't build up on the piping um, and narrow it over time.
5: Doctor Martin, I hate I hate to Doctor Martin, I I sure that Martin, I, I, like that. I hate to cut you off. Um, if, if you want to hang on the phone, we can continue this segment in a couple minutes. I've got somebody else trying to call in. Apparently, it's generating some interest. Could you hang on the line here for a couple minutes?
14: Oh, yeah, certainly.
5: Absolutely. Okay, we'll be back with Dr. Thomas Peter Martin talking about Wyoming's proposed nuclear reactor here in just a couple of minutes. Caller, if you want to hang on the line or call back, we will get to you. AM 650, KGAB, Cheyenne Orchard Valley. It's 1131.
7: This weather update is brought to you by Four Quarter Siding. No matter the weather, Four Quarter Siding can help protect your home. We'll see increasing clouds throughout our Saturday in southeastern Wyoming. Temperatures will hit the middle 80s. Late this afternoon and evening, could see a few more widely scattered showers and storms, otherwise partly cloudy. Lows in the lower 50s. Sunday and Monday, cooling off to the low mid 70s. Sunday will have a sunshine and breezy winds with scattered rain showers and thunder. Sunday night into Monday morning. I'm day weather meteorologist Don Watson. Music is a bridge
12: between the material and spiritual. My name is Harvey Lauer, and I'm 82. As a blind person, you have to be aware that nobody
8: can tell you what you can or can't do. You really have to try things. My folks got me a little radio in 1940, and that was the best Christmas present I ever got. When I was 11 years old is when I started to uh, play music, play the piano, and then the accordion, and then the cello. My wife, who was also blind, was a good cook. When she died, that's when I started Meals on Wheels. America, let's do lunch.
12: One in six seniors faces the threat of hunger, and millions more live in isolation. Drop off a hot meal and say a quick hello. Volunteer for Meals on Wheels by donating your lunch break at americaletsdolunch.org. This message brought to you by Meals on Wheels America and the Ad Council.
9: It was a goal that I wanted to achieve from the very beginning.
1: I'm a 40-year-old man that walked in there to get his high school diploma. I wasn't sure if I could do it. It was very hard for me, but the teachers, the counselors, they help you. One of the teachers was uh, Miss Araceli. Miss Araceli, she gave me direction. Every single time I had a question,
9: she'll put down whatever she's doing and she'll come over and she'll sit there with you until you get it.
6: At age 47, with the help of his teacher, Marco finished his high school diploma.
9: 50% of getting your high school diploma is walking through those doors. The other 50% is doing the work. Getting your high school diploma, it is a
14: life-changing experience, it really is. It catapults you to where you want to go.
5: AM 650 KGAB Cheyenne's number one news talk radio station. You're in tune with the Weekend in Wyoming program on the phone. I have Dr. Thomas Peter Martin from the University of Wyoming. He's been discussing some of his concerns, safety concerns uh, specifically about a nuclear reactor that uh, was announced as a project this past week. And uh, also we have a caller. Good morning caller, you're on the air.
14: Good morning Doug and and doctor. Um, I have a a a questioner, if this Bill Gates is, um, paying for this or partially paying for it, um, why doesn't he build it on his 320 acres he built or bought at Cody or is all this other downwind from him? Dr. Martin? Um, well, I don't know, um, necessarily the wind patterns in Wyoming. Um, I'm not a meteorologist. Um, But, uh, I mean, certainly that is one of the concerns that I've raised is, um, you know, I'm a little bit concerned that they're building it in such a sparsely populated area to start with. Um, It makes me think that they might have safety concerns of their own. And um, by building it in a very sparsely populated area, Um, relatively speaking, uh, you know, compared to the rest of the United States, that, um, you know, they're trying to avoid liability in the event of an accident. And, um, you know, that's not necessarily the reason they're doing it. Um, I don't want to accuse anybody of anything um, without solid proof, um, but it is sort of a, It's not a red flag, it's at least a yellow flag. It's something we should be considering.
5: Well, I'm against it. So anyway, thank you so very much. Thanks, caller. So Dr. Martin, um, what's the worst case scenario on this? What what could happen if, if, if this absolutely went south?
14: Well, okay, so the worst case scenario, in my opinion, would be is if his Um, cooling system is convective and he doesn't have a uh, proper containment facility around it. Um, In other words um, most nuclear reactors have a um, high pressure vessel to contain the water um, so that it will boil at a higher temperature and they can run their reactors at a higher temperature. Those are the moderated reactors that I talked about earlier mm-hmm. um, which account for most commercial reactors now um, his design claims to be able to avoid a meltdown um, by using convective cooling, now that would have to go through the core and the primary coolant loop also go- has to go through the core in order to um, pick up heat from the fuel rods and so if there were to be a leak in the primary coolant loop, what would happen is the sodium would start burning and the sodium would burn very, very hot. And so a very small leak would rapidly get larger as it melted the material that the pipe was made out of. And if the coolant continued to flow and continued to burn, um, we would essentially have, I don't know how else to describe it, but a radioactive barbecue from Powell. Um, the sodium is, uh, to give you a little bit of background on how radioactive the sodium is, in the Operation Crossroads test in the 1940s, they detonated a 20 kiloton um, plutonium device underwater um, because they wanted to see the effect it would have on um, World War II era ships that were obsolete. And um, the ones closest to the blast obviously sank, but the ones further out just got sprayed with some seawater from the blast. And um, when the scientists got near the vessel um, to retrieve samples, they discovered it was so radioactive from the sodium, just in seawater, that had been splashed on it, that they couldn't go aboard to retrieve their samples. And a lot of data was lost because anybody um, sent aboard those ships would have been killed by the the, um, reactivity. Mm -hmm. So sodium is a very, very good neutron absorber, and that's because there's only one isotope of sodium, uh, sodium sodium-23. And so um, odd-numbered isotopes like that tend to be good neutron absorbers, and sodium especially is a very good neutron absorber. And um, in this case, instead of using seawater, which has you know a few grams per liter of sodium in it, they're using pure metallic sodium. And so, um, you know one way to make this design safer would be to use something like a molten salt. Um, there's molten salt reactors in operation. And the benefit that those have is because the metal is already oxidized, essentially. It's already, um, not in a metallic state, it can't burn anymore. And so if there's a leak, then yes, the molten salt will leak out, but it won't undergo any further chemical reactions. Whereas the sodium, if it were to leak, um, would burn in air, um, producing um, sodium hydroxide, and um, that then would be lifted in the atmosphere by the heat, and um, it would form, uh, for example, uh, seeds in clouds if it got up that high, um, causing nucleation and precipitation, which would be extremely radioactive. Um, by the way, for people who do know a little bit more about nuclear physics, um, it's a beta emitter, uh, which means it emits a high-energy electron, and um, the half-life is 15 hours. So that doesn't mean it's only dangerous for 15 hours. It just means that um, the activity drops off by a factor of um, one half every 15 hours. So if you had a massive leak, um, then after 15 hours, you only have half as much activity, but that could still be very dangerous. And so after 30 hours, you still have 25% of the activity. Um, You know, after 45 hours, you still have, um, you know, an eighth of the activity, et cetera. And um, with the strong winds in Wyoming, um, if it did get into a cloud layer, it could spread for quite a distance if enough sodium leaked out and burned. Um, So I think that the material that they're making their piping out of needs to be closely examined as well as the geometry. Um, anybody who's ever worked with plumbing will know that um, elbow joints tend to fail um, just under water. Um, and of course sodium is uh, much denser than water and it's going to be a lot hotter. And the material that it's flowing through is going to be exposed to a neutron flux which is going to weaken it over time. And so I think they have to develop a comprehensive lifetime plan for when their primary coolant loop has to be replaced uh, to keep it safe.
5: Real simple question, would using molten salt make this project safe?
14: Um, It would definitely make it much safer. Um, I mean, with nuclear power, there's always the potential for something to go wrong, Um, but as far as I know, there has never been a major accident um, involving loss of human life or major contamination involving a molten salt reactor and i think a molten salt reactor uh would be much safer than a liquid metal reactor um just in my opinion so um,
5: so why not use molten salt is there an argument against that is it more expensive what what would be the reason for that
14: well it is um i think um the design would have to be a little bit larger um the molten salt Um, might uh, not be as neutron transparent as the sodium. I know he's trying to miniaturize this as much as possible. So um, I'm not as much an expert on molten salt reactors as I am on liquid metal reactors. Um, But I do know that um, India for instance, which um, is suffering from uh, growing demand for power is uh, using uh, molten salt reactors and um, in fact one of the benefits of a molten salt reactor is that um, extracting um, is that the uh, fuel is actually in the molten salt and so um, as I said the material in their um, fuel rods is going to have to be very highly enriched so you have the potential for a leak in the fuel rods. And you also have the potential for a leak in the coolant loop, whereas in a molten salt reactor, you only have one loop to worry about because the fuel is already in the molten salt and um, it doesn't have to be quite as highly enriched. And um, it's also much harder to extract from a proliferation standpoint um, than uh, something like what they're building.
5: Okay, I'm speaking with uh, Dr. Thomas Peter Martin of the University of Wyoming. We're talking about a uh, nuclear reactor, uh, which has been proposed for Wyoming. Governor Gordon made that announcement just this week. Uh, we are taking calls. If anybody has any questions or comments, one, two,
6: three, or go to keyofcheyenne.com. We'll make it easy. Open calendar. What's my schedule looking like? Next Thursday, you will be caught in an emergency flash flood between Park and First Street. What? No. No, that doesn't work. I'm, I'm busy then. Decline. De- decline.
1: Floods don't exactly work around your schedule. Disasters don't plan ahead. But you can. It starts with talking to your loved ones about making an emergency plan. So don't wait. Communicate. Visit HLS.WYO.GOV. Brought to you by Wyoming Office of Homeland Security, Wyoming Association of
13: Broadcasters, FEMA, and the Ed Council.
5: AM six fifty K G A B. I'm speaking with Dr. Thomas Peter Martin from the University of Wyoming. We're talking about a nuclear reactor plans for which were announced this week. Uh, they hope to choose a location from among four locations by the end of this year. It's being built by Pacific Power and the Bill Gates, uh, Bill Gates company Terra Power. Dr. Martin, in terms of the location, would any of those be preferable from a sta- safety standpoint to the other, or does it matter?
14: Um. Well, I haven't um, reviewed all four locations. um, I would say that um, from a safety standpoint, um, building it in the more sparsely populated uh, regions uh, would be better from a safety standpoint. Um, But you would also have to look at um, weather uh, patterns. So um, what's likely to be um, downwind of it. Um, so I think you would have to bring in uh, meteorologists to um, properly assess that.
5: Now, in terms of nuclear waste, is that an issue with this reactor?
14: Well, one of the um, interesting things about this reactor is, so nuclear uh, waste can um, broadly be broken down into uh, two categories. The first category are fission um, byproducts. Um, most of which have a comparatively short half-life and are generally safe after about a century or so. So, disposing of them long-term isn't as um, difficult. Now, um, the other category of nuclear waste are what's considered transuranics. So, those are all of the elements um, heavier than uranium that are generated... Um, in a nuclear reactor, so things like plutonium, neptunium, americium, curium, things like that, and some of those have half-lives on the order of um, tens of thousands or even millions of years, depending on the isotope. Uh, now, one advantage of this fast reactor design is that it's able to burn more of those up. Uh, the fast neutron is able to fission isotopes that would normally be non-fissile in a moderated reactor and so in theory this reactor could actually be used to burn up um, transuranic nuclear waste from other reactors around the country that produce a lot of it Um, the challenge of course being is that you have to reprocess the fuel which means separating the transuranics from the fission decay products, And um, that's quite an expensive process. Um, so whether or not they're actually going to go through with that um, would be something you would have to ask them. Um, but certainly it has the potential to not only reduce long-term nuclear waste, but actually eliminate long-term nuclear waste from other sites. Uh, So that's one big advantage of this reactor that has me kind of excited about it, um, if it can be made safe. Um, So this reactor design um, certainly has its benefits, um, but like I said, the main drawback is the need for liquid metal cooling um, that, um, you know, because liquid metal will not flow the neutrons the same way that water will. And um, you know the choice of sodium as a liquid metal is a little bit confusing um, uh, because there's a lot of other metals. Um, say potassium, for instance, that melts at um, a similar temperature and isn't as strong of a neutron absorber. Um, I mean, it's a little bit more chemically reactive, um, but not much more. Um, so. Um, I think um, when you're looking at this kind of reactor, um, they've typically been used on, um, in military applications before. Um, so in things like submarines where um, performance and size are um, considered paramount and they, they're willing to push the safety boundaries a little bit because it's a military application. Um, but for a civilian application, um, I think it might be worthwhile to um, consider expanding the facility a little bit and using something like molten salt reactors, which um, can also burn up transuranics and can also um, generate more fuel than they burn. And um, so they have pretty much all of the benefits of this liquid metal cooled reactor, um, except you've taken away the um, chemical reactivity of the coolant, so if there is a leak, there won't be a metal fire. Um, And of course, metal fires burn extremely hot, and um, because they're so radioactive, I have no idea how they would intend to put one out. So that would be a question that the state regulators should certainly ask them is if for some reason your safety features fail and there is a leak in your primary coolant loop that starts a fire um, what safety features are present to put out that fire um, before it grows into something that simply can't be
5: contained so again again it sounds like you believe this project can be made safe you just have some concerns about how it's being proposed at the moment is that true
14: Yes. Um, so I certainly believe that this, um, can be made safe. Um, obviously, um, liquid sodium reactors were experimented with, um, mostly in the sixties and seventies. Um, they did have, um, some sodium fires, although they were also like minor, um, they tended to be military projects. Um, And um, those were of course done in military test sites which were well away from civilian centers and they were contained. Um, However, technology of course has advanced a lot in the last half century. And so with modern computer controls and materials advances and things like that, I think it can be made safe. Um, My main concern is that the only people who I've been hearing any um, design features from are TerraPower themselves. Um, they write these articles and they get published in places like um, Forbes or in CNBC or other mainstream outlets touting all their safety features. Um, but I think that an independent audit essentially needs to be done on those safety features to prove that they function as designed and um, to prove that, um, uh, or rather to establish um, a set of protocols um, should any of these designs fail because um, as they say, you know, the best laid plans of mice and men and all that, um, even if you design the perfect system, uh, you can have an unexpected failure mode that you didn't anticipate. And if that were to happen, you need to have um, something that will um, extinguish the fire and contain the sodium. And so um, the only way to extinguish a sodium fire is essentially... um, something like a Halon fire extinguishing system, um, which basically just smothers it in um, a a compound which will not react with sodium. And um, it's gaseous, Um, they use it in um, military applications, they use these kind of reactors. Um, The problem being is that it only works in a contained system, like the um, reactor compartment of a nuclear submarine, it wouldn't work if your uh, core was relying on convective cooling and um, the convection was being done by um, essentially outside air because then you would release the halon and it would just be convected out into the atmosphere and it wouldn't do its job. So... I think that there's a couple of safety features that might be, um, perhaps, the word would be um, self-defeating if push came to shove, so the convective idea to prevent a meltdown is a good one, but if there were to be a sodium leak instead of a meltdown, then suddenly it's working against you.
5: And it sounds like a sodium leak is your bigger concern. Would that be accurate?
14: Yes, it is. Um, So I think that um, meltdowns can be prevented, obviously, by inserting the control rods. So normally a nuclear reactor is... um, The reactivity is controlled um, by inserting and removing um, rods that absorb neutrons. And so... um, They insert them a certain distance to uh, maintain the right neutron flux to generate the desired amount of power. If they want more power, they can retract them. If they want to reduce power, they can insert them. Um, The problem is, um, as I said in Fukushima, is even if you, um, what's known as scram the reactor, which is to insert the rods all the way to shut down the fission process entirely, you still have fission byproducts mixed in with the fuel that will be continuing to generate about 20% of the reactor's peak power, and that heat has to be dissipated, and that was um, typically done through water coolant loops, the problem being, of course, that if power fails to the pumps, then it melts down like what happened in Fukushima, and so the idea of using a passive cooling system that uses convection is a good one, um, but we have to make sure that whatever fluid they're using for their convective system is contained so that if there is a sodium leak, it's all contained inside a sealed um, reactor unit and none of it can get out into the environment.
5: Dr. Martin, we're down to about a minute left, and I do have another guest coming up at 12.05, so I'll have to close this segment down. Any last thoughts for our audience here this morning?
14: Um, I would say this. I would say don't be um, unduly scared of it. Um, I do believe, um, as a scientist, that just looking at it thermodynamically, uh, nuclear power is probably the future. I don't think wind and solar have the um, potential to cut it from our national energy needs standpoint. So I do think nuclear has to be developed and explored. Um, I just think it has to be done safely because, um, you know, new nuclear reactors were put on hold for many decades after Three Mile Island. And so if a similar incident were to happen here. It would set the entire movement back by decades. Um, and so, this should be done, but it should be done safely. Dr. And
5: Martin, I'm, 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 to I'm, I'm gonna have to cut you off down here. Down. We are out of time, but I do appreciate your, your time this morning. It's been very informative. Thank you.
14: All right, uh, thank you, and I'm sorry if I talked a little too fast, <laughs> there's just a lot of information. They're
10: still defining what infrastructure is. I'm Pam Pusso, Fox News, and that could make it hard for Democrats and Republicans to seal a deal.
9: I think all of us would prefer something that is bipartisan. Everything we're talking about with this infrastructure package has broad popular support across party lines. It's
12: only when you get inside Washington that it becomes something that you might call partisan.
10: House Democrat Jared Huffman. There's bipartisan support for an infrastructure bill. There's just not bipartisan support for a Democrat wish list, which is what they're trying to push forward, which would include tax, um, you know, tax increases. House Republican Marionette Miller Meeks. There was bipartisan support to make Juneteenth a federal holiday, and around the country, celebrations are taking place commemorating the end of slavery in the U.S.
12: Everybody needs to read more and understand and appreciate our history. Sometimes we avoid that because it, it's painful, frankly, because we, were, we hypocritically said that all men and women are created equal but did not live that out. And uh, the country's paid a terrible price for it, and it continues even today.
10: Texas Senator John Cornyn. Tropical Storm Claudette came ashore in the New Orleans area, and by Monday it could be impacting the East Coast.
13: As it came ashore, Tropical Storm Claudette packed sustained winds of 45 miles an hour on the coast. The winds have been kicking up heavy surf. As it moves inland, there is a chance it could spin off tornadoes. But the primary concern is over Claudette as a rain event.
10: Fox's Jonathan Sari, wind damage from possible tornadoes has been reported in Pace, Florida and Escambia County, Alabama. The heat wave blanketing much of the west could lift next week. America's listening to Fox News.
3: Jason in the House, the
7: Jason Chaffetz podcast. There is always someone doing something stupid somewhere. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Join me, Jason Chaffetz, every Wednesday as I shed light
11: on the news and make some predictions along the way. You never know who will drop in.
13: Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. Connect to Fox News Audio in the Fox News app. Listen to hear your favorite hosts like Brian Kilmeade, Jimmy Fallon, and Guy Benson standing up for what's right live and via podcast. Just click listen, then swipe right and hear the latest news updates on your time. And scroll down to hear the latest podcasts from Fox News. And it's even easier to listen in the car with Apple CarPlay and Android Auto. Get programming alerts and notifications. Fox News Audio is on the Fox News app. The voices America trusts. Download it now.
10: A brazen attack has led to an attempted murder charge in San Francisco. Police say Daniel Cowich hit and stabbed a 94-year-old Asian woman for no reason on Wednesday. The victim, who was stabbed on the arm, hip, and torso, is recovering at the hospital. The attack comes amid a wave of anti-Asian violence. A close encounter between California Governor Gavin Newsom and a man described as aggressive who has been charged with assault. One local newspaper says the man allegedly threw a water bottle at the governor in Oakland. A Missouri man pleads guilty to threatening to assault two members of
6: Congress. Federal court documents reveal 63-year-old Kenneth Hubert has pleaded guilty to threatening Congressman Emanuel Cleaver of Missouri as well as Tennessee Representative Steve Cohen. Hubert says he left a voicemail at Cleaver's office this year calling him a racial slur and talking about putting a noose around his neck. He also admitted to calling Cohen's office in 2019, also saying he wanted to put a noose around the congressman and drag him behind his truck. In both cases, Hubert said he was upset by comments they'd made. In Cohen's case, a comment made about President Trump. Hubert was previously investigated for making threatening calls to an Islamic rights group, as well as for making threatening comments about former President Obama. Jessica Rosenthal, Fox News.
10: As more Americans start flying again, more passengers are behaving badly.
14: The incidents with unruly passengers in the air are up essentially two and a half times what they were before the pandemic. On May 23rd, a Southwest flight from San Diego to Sacramento, a flight attendant tried to get a couple of passengers to come in line with the landing protocols. She was beat up so badly that she lost two teeth. Of all of the different incidents in the, in the air, 86% of them are from passengers who don't
9: want
7: to wear the mask.
10: Fox's Mike Tobin, some travelers argue the rules are inconsistent.
7: At your door. Buy local Wyoming roasted coffee at snowy elk.com. This weather update is brought to you by Four Corner Siding. No matter the weather, Four Corner Siding can help protect your home. We'll see increasing clouds throughout our Saturday in southeastern Wyoming. Temperatures will hit the middle 80s. Late this afternoon and evening, could see a few more widely scattered showers and storms, otherwise partly cloudy, lows in the lower 50s. Sunday and Monday, cooling off to the low and mid-70s. Sunday, we'll have its sunshine and breezy winds with scattered rain, showers, and thunder. Sunday night into Monday morning. I'm Day Weather Meteorologist Don Watt. AM
5: 650 KGAB, Cheyenne's number one news talk radio station. You're in tune with the Weekend in Wyoming program. On the phone, I have Cheyenne Regional Medical Center President and uh, CEO Tim Thornell, who is good enough to call in on short notice. Good afternoon, sir. Good afternoon. Now, we wanted to uh, talk about a number of topics. One thing I did want to ask you about, and this is something we've been seeing in the news lately, is that it seems like we're seeing a spike in COVID-19 cases in Laramie County, certainly Laramie County, according uh, to numbers that I found this week, researching this, uh, running well ahead of the rest of the state. What are you seeing at that in that regard at COMC? Uh, yes, so we're clearly
9: clearly seeing an increase and in a spike you know at uh, at CRMC which is just reflective of what's happening in Laramie County and, and probably actually throughout the state. Um, so right now we presently have as of this morning 27 COVID positive patients in the hospital and this puts us back in a time frame uh, back to like January of this year um, and recognizing we had our peak last November right during Thanksgiving um, so these are numbers we don't like to see, but um, again, 27 patients positive in the hospital, eight in the ICU, six of those on ventilators.
5: Those numbers are higher than I would have expected. Has this been building for a while or is it a sudden sudden increase?
9: Yeah, it's been slowly building over the last several weeks. So uh, if you look back at March, April, um, first part of May, we were hovering you know, less than 10 patients, frequently less than five. Um, and then the last, you know, anywhere from three to six weeks, we've been gradually creeping up. Got above ten, and then now for the past several days, we've been above twenty. And then, like I said, at twenty-seven today, which is a very concerning number.
5: Do we know what's driving this? Are any? First of all, if you know, and I know you can't get into specifics. It may not have all this information. But are any of the people in the hospital right now, were any of them vaccinated?
9: Uh, very few, absolutely the vast majority. And for the most part during these last several weeks, those that we've seen admitted to the hospital with COVID have not been vaccinated. There are one or two exceptions to that. So we do have a couple of people who have been admitted, um, who have been vaccinated And, and it may be a variety of things. They may have just had one of their two series. So maybe in the middle of it, when they contracted COVID. Uh, but we have had one or two people who have also had the entire series and, um, kind of contracted COVID as well, but it's clearly the minority, the vast majority of patients uh, and employees who are out on quarantine are um, all non-vaccinated.
5: So it sounds like if we could get, just get people to get these shots, we wouldn't have an issue, not such an issue at least, correct?
9: It would help, it would help immensely, yes. And so, um, you know, you look at Wyoming, we unfortunately kind of uh, lead the nation in having the one of the lowest vaccination rates and also one of the highest um, transmission rates of COVID right now, so that combination is not a
5: coincidence. Is there anything? Is there anything we could do other than get people to get the shots to slow this down? Well, I mean, what we I
9: mean, what we know, what we've learned. Uh, not that we like all these options, but they work. Uh, certainly, if you isolate, right, if you stay home, you don't come in contact with anybody, you can't transmit it, can't get it. Now, it doesn't make a lot of practical sense uh, to do that, um, so I'm not recommending that, um, but wearing a mask works and and we know that, we've seen that, it's really slowed the progress of COVID and it's virtually eliminated the flu season and RSV season this year as well throughout the country. So we know masks work. So, you know, vaccine is the best way to go, but if you're not gonna get vaccinated, then, you know, I, I do think it's the responsible thing to do to wear a mask when you're out in public.
5: How about those of us who've been vaccinated? Do we need to still wear masks? Uh, for the most
9: part, no. Um, certainly in, in certain areas, if you're in crowded areas, it still is, is advisable to do it. Places like the hospital, we're you know, a unique environment where yes, we are still uh, requiring masks. The CDC still recommends masks. OSHA still um, gives us guidance to wear masks mask in the hospital, even if we are vaccinated. So in particular areas like that, But uh, certainly if you are out uh, outside in the open um, and you're vaccinated, I think that is a a fairly safe place to be.
5: Tim, um, in in terms of some of the upcoming events this summer, are you concerned, for example, about Cheyenne Frontier Days? Are, Are we okay with that? Are you concerned? What do you say about that?
9: Sure, yeah, I mean, we're certainly excited about having Cheyenne Frontier Days this year. Um, But the same thing, we would just ask that um, people exercise caution and and use, you know, um, precautions that we know work. So the more people that are vaccinated, the better. If you're not vaccinated, wearing a mask when you're in crowds, makes a lot of sense, especially if you're indoors. You just don't have the ventilation when you're indoors. So, you know, if you're at an indoor event at CFD and you're not vaccinated, you absolutely should be wearing a mask at that point in time. Uh, That risk decreases a little bit when you're outside. Um, and then obviously the risk decreases a lot if you're if you're vaccinated. So we certainly have some concern over over CFD, uh, over Fourth of July when people just gather more frequently. Um, and you know potentially, I don't know for sure, but potentially what we're seeing right now with our surge, you know, may be um, somewhat related to you know recent graduations where again you had a large gatherings
5: of people. Do we know where these cases are coming from? Are these are these lo- local folks, or do we have people visiting who are getting sick?
9: Yeah, so it was in the hospital. Most of them are local folks or people that we take care of regionally. So we get a lot of transfers from, you know, um, about a hundred mile radius within Wyoming and um, into parts of uh, South Dakota and Nebraska. So it's our normal population we take care of. That's, that's who we're seeing. We, you know, may have from time to time have one or two transient people traveling by and, and have COVID and enter the hospital, but that's not the majority of our patients. There really there are patients, patients who we uh, normally and typically
5: take care of. How concerned do we need to be about this?
9: Well, at this point, again, we're we're seeing a resurgence. It's absolutely here, um, and it's impacting every age range, right? So we see at the hospital right now every age range from teenagers all the way up to those in their seventies or eighties, and every decade in between is represented. So, you know, COVID knows no boundaries. It's not as we originally were experiencing uh, something that those who are elderly and have other uh, comorbid conditions would largely need to be concerned about, although they do as well. Um, But it's affecting everyone across the board. So it's definitely something to be concerned about for everyone. No one is exempt from exposure and the horrible uh, potential side effects that this is bringing.
5: Okay, I'm speaking with Cheyenne Regional Medical Center President and uh, CEO Tim who who is good enough to call the show on relatively short notice this morning. Tim, for visitors at the hospital, I haven't been over there for a while, do you still have uh, mandates in place or is it back to operating normally, or how that work?
9: We do, we still screen everyone who comes in, patient, visitor alike uh, we, and uh, we do have limits on how many visitors, I mean we actually have visitors, anyone can have visitors with them. Uh, but we do have a limit on how many visitors can be with with each patient. Um, it's, in essence, basically two visitors per, per patient. Uh, there's some extenuating circumstances where we allow more than that, but uh, that's kind of a prudent approach for us to take at this point in time.
5: Have we learned anything from the COVID pandemic in Laramie County that will affect how we care for people going forward?
9: Yeah, well, I think we, we certainly have learned uh, quite a bit, I mean, locally and nationally and globally. Uh, Again, masks worked and they worked really well. You know, ventilation is important. So, uh, you know, indoors, uh, ventilation makes a big difference. Being outdoors has a positive impact as well. It doesn't prevent it or stop it, but it does have a positive influence on uh, preventing the spread. Um, Locally, we know we've benefited from uh being a community in Wyoming that's you know inherently kind of socially distant right we're spread out more than other states not as populated that has been to our advantage at some instances uh, when we were at a point in time earlier this year late last year when most counties and for a while the state had a mask mandate it worked exceptionally well and that coupled with again just our our um, inherent benefit of being kind of socially distant as a state our, our case rate was pretty low Um, But now that we are not that well vaccinated and we're not adhering to uh, mask wearing when we should, our vaccination rate again, as of earlier this week, Wyoming had the the highest um, prevalence of of COVID cases in the nation and one of the lowest uh, vaccination rates. And that's just not a good combination to experience right now.
5: Well, I know I saw an Associated Press story a while back that said the 11 most COVID vaccine-resistant counties in, in, in the country were all in Wyoming. And by the way, Laramie County was not on that list. I think Nat, Natrona County was, if I remember, and I could be wrong on that. Uh, but for whatever reason, there's just a lot of resistance to it in this state.
9: There is, and it's, it's unfortunate. You know, the, the vaccine for, uh, one, vaccines in general are phenomenally safe. Uh, by and large, they do a tremendous job. I would personally suggest that vaccines have saved more lives than any other intervention uh, we have come up with in science. They're phenomenally amazing. We we're on the brink of being able to eradicate things like polio, which was just decades ago, absolutely devastating uh, to our world. Um, and science has advanced so much, just like we can put, um, you know, a, a Land Rover on Mars and... Um, do amazing things so far away. Science has also helped us create vaccines faster than we ever could before, more effective than we ever could before. So it's really, uh, you know, makes a lot of sense that we're able to put together a vaccine this quickly to combat COVID so well. Um, So we just need to trust science uh, that that it's doing what it's supposed to do. It's been well vetted and uh, we're in a good place to uh, take advantage of that And, and the better we do, uh, do that, the, the better off we'll be, you know, locally, regionally, and globally.
5: Okay, I'm speaking with Cheyenne Regional Medical Center CEO Tim Thornell. Uh, Tim, we did want to cover some other topics here this uh, this afternoon. I know that uh, COVID kind of put everything on hold in regard to just about everything. Um, do you guys have any projects you're moving forward with now yet?
9: Yes, we do. So uh, we had planned uh, a while ago, a couple years ago to renovate our mother baby unit. Um, you know, we deliver about a hundred babies a month, which is about twelve hundred a year, um, and that unit's just need to have be refreshed. So we have dedicated um, over fifteen million dollars to renovate that entire unit and just when we were about to start, it COVID struck. So, you know, Wisely and appropriately, we did put that on hold for a time period, um, but we're ready to start that back up again and relaunch that, that program, so we're excited about being able to uh, renovate our entire mother-baby unit, and as soon as we complete that, we'll actually renovate our um, ICU, our intensive care unit, uh, which will also be very timely, so we've learned quite a bit recently again with COVID and isolation. and and some specific needs that we may have even going forward with isolation. So as we plan and prepare to renovate our ICU, we've incorporated some of those lessons learned uh, into our new ICU design.
5: Kind of looking back here, and I guess this is jumping back to COVID a little bit, but just a general question. At any point, were we concerned about being absolutely overwhelmed with cases?
9: Yeah, absolutely. you you go back to the beginning, uh, you know, a year and a half ago, March of 2020, April, May of that time frame, we really didn't know what to expect. We ramped up and prepared for you know in excess of a hundred patients to be in the hospital uh, with COVID, and that would have absolutely overwhelmed our system here locally. And and again, we're a referral center, so we get patients from you know uh, quite a quite a range uh, from geographically around us. So uh, if we were going to be overwhelmed, so would others within Wyoming. Uh, and we never quite saw that level of um proliferation of of COVID but we did hit a peak again in November right around Thanksgiving there was that kind of that second wave that the whole nation experienced and we hit about 66 COVID positive patients in the hospital at that time and we had a little over 100 employees quarantined um, as well because they were being exposed out in the community uh, too, and we're contracting it just like regular community members were, and so that did put us at risk. So we were again able to manage through that, but it got us really close to our capacity levels.
5: Are you back to normal staffing and so forth? Yeah, staffing
9: we are back to fairly normal staffing at this point in time. Uh, we still have some people who can work remotely are still working remotely, uh, and we found in some instances that really does work well for some of our back office staff and of our IT staff, for example. So we'll probably continue on with that in the future, you know, to some degree greater than we had previously as well. Um, but for the most part, staffing is um, back to where we need it to be. But again, just in the last handful of weeks with the increase of COVID patients from, you know, less than 10 to uh, to above 10 to above 20 to 27 now, uh, it's, it's again starting to impact our, our staffing capabilities.
5: Okay, and this is jumping back a while, and you may not have the the information handy, but I know for a while there, there were concerns about parking at the hospital. Has that situation gotten better?
9: Yeah, so I think um, you know, parking at the hospital certainly when uh, when COVID hit and we had to make some changes. One of them was um, uh, not having our valet service, and that's a great service to have for patients to be able to pull right up in front of the hospital and not have to worry about where to park their car. We would do that for them, free of charge. Uh, and we were just able, within the last, in the last month, to be able to reintroduce that service. So we're really happy uh, to be able to have valet service for our, our patients once again. Uh, and now, instead of pulling up in front of the hospital on the outside, you go through our parking garage and pull up next to the, the patient visitor entrance. And again, our valet service is there, absolutely free. Don't need to pay, don't need to tip, anything all taken care of for you, and you don't have to worry about where you park your car, so that's really, again, helped alleviate um, a lot of parking concerns and constraints for patients and visitors.
5: Now, I think your hospital also got some recognition recently, and I'm going from memory here, I don't have it right in front of me, so I hope I'm not misspeaking, but got some recognition for your uh, cardio care, is that right?
9: Uh, yes, So, um, so for a couple of things, we are um, chest pain certified and got recertified with, with that designation from the Joint Commission on a healthcare accreditation. And very recently just became uh, recertified again uh, for stroke care. And so uh, again, we do a phenomenal job in, in both those arenas with cardiac care and with uh, with stroke care. And just proud to be you know certified hospital in our region to be able to manage patients with those conditions so they don't have to travel far, they just stay right here locally at home and we can take great care of them.
5: Tim as you know it's almost a cultural thing in southeast Wyoming to go to Colorado to go shopping uh, check out uh, a Rockies game check out a Broncos game whatever Um, I I think a lot of people are in the habit of going to Colorado for healthcare too would you like them to rethink that?
9: Oh absolutely and and, and we we have a lot of retention a lot of people do stay here locally for for healthcare but but the, the the variety of services we offer at Cheyenne Regional is really quite vast. You know, We do open-heart surgery, um, cardiac catheterizations, we have a great orthopedic uh, surgery team, great neurosurgery. Just, our list goes on tremendous cancer care, um, so we do a great job with um, um, medica- medical oncology as well as radiation oncology and infusion therapy. Um, So just a great swath of services right here locally. And again, nationally recognized. So Healthgrades for three years in a row has recognized us as the top 250 hospitals in the nation uh, for providing care, top 100 for uh, general surgical care. So you really do get great care right here locally without having to travel.
5: Tim, and, and this might be outside your sphere, but I'll ask about it. As you know, in the legislature last session, a proposal to expand Medicaid Uh, Was defeated we expect that to come back Um, I've heard some comments from hospital officials in Wyoming that are in favor of it uh, Basically, because they're concerned about the issue of uncompensated care. Is that something CRMC is concerned about?
9: Uh, Yes, absolutely. We we certainly still have quite a few patients quite a few um, You know citizens in Laramie County and throughout Wyoming who don't have you know, access to health insurance and to, and therefore it inhibits their ability to access health care. If nothing else, just, you know, from their own perception of of having a hesitancy to access it uh, for fear of what the bills may look like. So, you know, the more that we can provide health insurance for uh, for that vulnerable population that really needs it. And Medicaid expansion is a great opportunity um, because it's really targeting a, a population that's just right up just barely above the, the national poverty level. And it's frequently uh, people who are working uh, but just aren't in jobs that offer health insurance, frequently single moms with children um, who are working that uh, just don't have access to health insurance where they're presently at. So it really serves, you know, a very vulnerable population and one that's very deserving of some assistance to get health insurance.
5: Now, numbers from a couple of years ago, and you may not have this information handy, but I'll just toss it out there. At one point, uh, CRMC, according to what I was told, was forking out something like uh, 20 million a year in uncompensated care. Is that is that still accurate if you know?
9: Yes, that is, you know, that's still roughly accurate. You know, uh, between um, charity care, bad debt, other uncompensated care, we are, frequently writing off anywhere from, you know, one and a half to three million dollars, three and a half million dollars a month. Um, so that'll add up to 20 million or more uh, a year pretty quickly.
5: Now, I also remember, and this is this is going back a ways, but again, I remember when CRMC was trying to improve their billing system for customers. Um, has, has progress been made in that area?
9: Well, I'd like to think so. I mean, billing in healthcare is unfortunately a little bit complicated. Um, and, and we all recognize more complicated than it should be, but I do think that we we certainly have made some efforts to make it a little bit easier, and, and hopefully it's a little bit uh, smoother, easier to understand as we move forward. And we've just recently, in the last uh, two months, um, at the very end of April, introduced a new program called MD Save, and it's a program for those. Uh, for those individuals who either don't have insurance or have a really high deductible, maybe $5,000, $10,000 deductible. So until they reach that deductible, they are in essence kind of, you know, um, uninsured or, or self-pay. Um, and this program allows them to go in and, and prepay for services at a highly discounted rate. And the other nice feature about it is, is it bundles the, the payment. So sometimes it can be confusing when you come into the ER and you get a, a bill from the hospital and you get one separately from the doctor. Um, and maybe you have another service, you, know, you have labs done and the pathologist sends you a bill as well. So you may have two or three bills from the one visit and it can be kind of confusing. So with Save, we're actually able to bundle all those things together and just get one bill and you know about it in advance. So we just launched that, again, less than two months ago. Uh, not every service is available through that just yet, but we're working to add more and more services available in that to make it just so much easier and less expensive but easier for people to understand.
5: Tim, I've been asking you questions for the last 20 some minutes. Is there anything you'd like to tell our audience?
9: Um, Well, you've done a great job um, letting me talk about things that are certainly important to us, uh, letting people know the importance of either getting vaccinated, uh, which hopefully they will will do. There's a lot of great uh, research and support to suggest that it's very safe and very effective at this point in time. Uh, I'm certainly vaccinated, my family's vaccinated. Uh, i have no hesitancy having my my children who are uh, uh, 11 15 and 18 get vaccinated as well um, and then just letting us share some of the great things that we're we're doing here today locally for our um, for our county and for everyone who lives uh, around us and despite having covid we're haven't stopped our commitment to providing great care locally to always trying to improve our care uh, and to provide um, the opportunity to stay local for care so that's really what we're here for.
5: Do you have any events coming up you'd like people to know about?
9: Um, you know, in the, in the uh, later on this summer, we'll we'll host um, our uh, annual uh, Bison Shuffle, which will be a, a run we'll have out the Terry Bison Ranch. Um, so it's a great way to, to be outside, to exercise, um, and to uh, to see see some people as well in a safe fashion. Um, so we have that uh, coming up in the not too distant future. Um, and then again, we're always open and available um, to, uh, to vaccinate people at our 20th street clinic. So that's ongoing. So if anybody does decide now's the time to get vaccinated, um, we're always available to make that happen.
5: And for those who don't know, it's free.
9: Absolutely free.
5: Okay, I've been speaking with Cheyenne Regional Medical Center's CEO and President Tim Thornell. Tim, I do appreciate you uh, again calling in on rather short notice. Um, I I think the big takeaway from this conversation, if I'm understanding correctly, is we're a little concerned about the COVID spike, but if people would get their shots, we could probably not worry about it too much. Would that be fair?
9: Absolutely. We are at a point where we need to be somewhat concerned, uh, particularly in Laramie County and in Wyoming, uh, again, we're at one of the lowest vaccination rates and one of the highest um, spread rates of COVID right now. Not a not a great place to be. But uh, together and individually, if we do our part, we can reverse that trend. You know, rather nicely. And getting vaccinated is the best way to do it. Second best way is to wear a mask if you're not vaccinated, particularly in public areas, particularly in indoor areas.
5: By the way, and you're you're not a doctor, and I understand that, but I'll ask: Have you have we seen any of the variants here locally?
9: Uh, yes, absolutely. We we have seen uh, variants here locally within Wyoming, with, within Wyoming and within uh, Laramie County, so we are not immune from those. Uh, we don't necessarily get to track and trace every COVID-positive patient to know which variant they may or may not have, um, but we are confident that variants are here locally in our community, yes.
5: Okay, I'd like to thank my guest on this segment. I've been speaking with Cheyenne Regional Medical Center CEO and President Tim Thornell. Thank you for calling in. We appreciate it. Great. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Talk to you later. AM 650 KGAB, Cheyenne's number one News Talk radio station. The other side of the news and information break just ahead, I'll be speaking with uh, Stephen Brinkley. Uh, Stephen Brinkley with a local veterans organization. They have an event coming up here next month that uh, they wanted people to know about. Uh, It's actually, let me see if I can pull that up here real quick. It is coming up in July, and it is the... Guns of Wyoming inaugural event that's being presented by the Veterans Help Foundation of Wyoming. Uh, Stephen Brinkley will be chatting with us about that, and a little bit about uh, the Veterans Organization itself, some of the issues the veterans face, and and all things veteran-related on the other side of the news and information break. That's coming up here just ahead. AM 650 KGAB, Cheyenne Orchard Valley. It's 1131. We're going into a news and information break. On the other side, we'll chat with Stephen Brinkley. By the way, we will be taking phone calls. If you have any questions or comments, 632-6500. Actually, I think that's the line he'll be on, so the comment line will be 632-3323. That's coming up just ahead. You're in tune with The Weekend in Wyoming. On a Saturday afternoon, we appreciate you joining us. We'll be back with more here in just a couple of moments on AM 650 (laughs) KGAB.
7: This weather update is brought to you by Four Corners Siding. No matter the weather, Four Corners Siding can help protect your home. We'll see increasing clouds throughout our Saturday in southeastern Wyoming. Temperatures will hit the middle 80s. Late this afternoon and evening, could see a few more widely scattered showers and storms, otherwise partly cloudy, lows in the lower 50s. Sunday and Monday, cooling off to the low and mid-70s. Sunday we'll have it sunshine and breezy winds with scattered rain, showers, and thunder. Sunday night into Monday morning. Night-day weather meteorologist.
12: Hi everybody, I'm Jack Hanna. Since I was a boy growing up on a farm in Tennessee, I've been fascinated with animals. I'm not only in awe of their beauty and kindness, but also their tireless work ethic. Just look at the birds, who gather supplies to build nests, or Swiss foxes who work hard to provide for their young, or penguins who travel up to 500 miles to secure food for their families, or bush babies whose impressive jump allows them to navigate the trees in the wild in search of fruit. This remarkable work ethic is shared by our best friends, the canines. We know dogs are our wonderful pets at home, but because of their acute senses, they also perform life-saving work every day. Dogs keep us safe at airports. They comfort returning veterans, some of whom suffer from PTS. They work with diabetics, alerting them when there's a change in their blood chemistry. Working dogs have a variety of highly trained roles that contribute to society and help those in need. So please join me, and American Humane, in supporting our heroic working dogs and all the amazing animals on this planet we inhabit together. Go to AmericanHumane.org to learn more.
5: AM 650 KGAB, Cheyenne's number one news talk radio station. Expecting a call here from Stephen Brinkley. Uh, talking about uh, a, a gun event coming up here next month to benefit veterans a little bit about a veterans organization um, as of yet I uh, haven't heard from Steve so Steve if you're out there give me a call um, again that uh, th- that's scheduled here for 12:33, and the event uh, the event itself actually is coming up in July it's the Guns of Wyoming inaugural event and we were going to chat about that um as of right now i haven't haven't heard from steve so steve if you're out there uh give me a call i think in the meantime since we've been talking about uh the proposed nuclear reactor for wyoming on this program quite a bit we had uh, dr martin from uh, the university of wyoming earlier uh, in the meantime till steve calls us we'll play back some of glenn wood's interview with the governor about that uh, that reactor oh.
11: It's time. It's wake up Wyoming. My name is Len Woods. Thanks for joining me. Well, state of Wyoming's going to get a new toy to play with, and I can only hope that this new toy comes with uh, glowing hills and I don't know, maybe some kind of uh, mutant aberration living up there. Although I'm guessing Governor Mark Gordon probably disagrees with me on that. Hello, Governor. How are you this morning? <laughs> Good morning. How are you? <laughs> Very good. I will be in Cheyenne for Super Day at high noon in the dunk tank for a charity. And I'm just tossing it out there. If the governor was there, thrown a few pitches for a good cause. Just saying. And we'll move on from well, there. Well,
8: it, it, it would be it would be a great, great thing. Unfortunately, yeah. uh, well, fortunately, my, my daughter's first anniversary... Oh, okay. Is is there And, and she uh, She didn't get to have her wedding last year With right. with her group So they're
11: having it here so. Okay well then I guess you got okay. a legitimate excuse this time I'll let you off the hook for right now Okay let me ask you real quick about Getting a nuclear power plant In the state of Wyoming I'm Curious as to how does a deal like this Even come to the state of Wyoming Out of all of the other places Where it could have ended up And wound up here
8: you know, Glenn, that's, uh, that, that's an interesting question. A, a Rocky Mountain Power, uh, I think, has been looking at different ways uh, to power their grid. We, of course, and I want to make this absolutely clear, we keep banging them on the head and saying, you know, you've got great power here with our coal plants. Let's just modernize them, do carbon capture, we can keep going. Uh, and and so that's our, our biggest uh, play, but what, what Rocky Mountain uh, did was they reached out to the uh, uh, Department of Energy and, and, of course, Bill Gates is the other financer. Wyoming won't have any cost in this. Uh, and they said, we'd like to build a demonstration, a small modular nuclear reactor, sodium cooled, so no water. Uh, and, uh, and, and they came to us. Um, the first thing I said, Glenn, was uh, this is not a sort of a – a, a sneaky way to bring everybody else's waste to Wyoming. And and they said no, no. In fact, this reactor will uh produce uh, about one third of what a traditional reactor produces. Uh and uh you know we went through a couple of things about citing most importantly the jobs that are offered pay well. Uh they're highly skilled jobs uh, and and from the point of view of workforce They'll keep the workforce employed, uh, so so those are those are nice things. No cost to Wyoming, uh, same job scale and, and salary range, uh, and then of course you know there's three years of of fighting, uh, regulation, and and everything else that goes that goes with it.
11: There's a whole lot of questions unpacked there. Let's start with the first one, which I was glad to hear you say because I had I went to. Hewlett, Wyoming, to the rodeo there, which, by the way, Hewlett puts on a great small-town rodeo. Got a chance to meet. With, sure oh, yeah, it, it was phenomenal, especially I, I had to give credit to the young kids in the mutton-busting. I mean, that's just, <laughs> that's a good time. But anyway, so I got a chance to meet with State Senator Ogden Driscoll, and you talk about another thrill. He took me on a tour of his property, which takes a while, as you might know. He asked the question what I thought about the power plant before I got a chance to ask him. And my the first thing I said was what I always say. Mark, you hear me say this all the time. Who's paying for it? Because it would really bother me if the people of Wyoming had to pay for what should be a private venture. But you've said a couple of times here today that we're not paying for this. This is paid for by whom then?
8: So it's, it's paid for jointly by the Department of Energy, which of course is taxpayer dollars, uh, and, and then the other half of the total cost uh, is what they say the total mm-hmm. cost will be paid for by by Bill Gates's foundation. Okay. He, he has supported Terra Terra Power, right? Um, so you, you know the Department of Energy is anxious to try to find a couple of technologies uh, they're doing a demonstration project my friend Brad Little, governor of Idaho called me the other day they just got not a natrium reactor but a different uh, technology and, and he said well congrats to you so okay. um, uh, that that's kind of where it is
11: okay so let's take a look at the material that fuels the reactor, that would be the next question from people in Wyoming because we have uranium here and things like that. The fuel comes from where?
8: So the fuel will be uranium that gets refined uh, and, and then ultimately I think the process is called conversion, which is turning it into fuel rods. Uh, the biggest interest for us, of course, and, and we've been fighting this for a number of years, even under the last administration – uh, we want to see a domestic uranium business stood up and strong. Wyoming has the largest source of of uranium in the, in the country. We think a domestic supply is important for security, and 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 so we have really pushed to help stand that industry up. Um, you know, the option that that unfortunately has been in the country for several years is depending on Kazakhstan and Russia which don't have the environmental regulations we do and obviously aren't our friends. Uh, and, y- you know, Glenn, it's something I've said over and over again. Our country needs to be able to sell energy to our friends and not mm-hmm. have to buy energy from our neighbors. Right. Or our and it's either one.
11: Well, if I'm going to ask where does the uh, uranium come from, then... Where does the waste go? And I think you partially addressed it that addressed that when you began speaking. But do we have to deal with the waste? Does that go somewhere else?
8: The so the waste will be uh, dealt with on site uh, and 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 monitored just like they would in a in a uh, normal reactor plant. It's uh, you know I think they call it monitor retrievable storage. Uh, and uh, it, as I say, it's about one third the waste of what um, another similarly sized plant would produce—the light water type of reactor. So it's much, much more efficient. There, there is a little bit of good news out there. Uh, University of Wyoming has a physicist that uh, that has talked about the advancement of something called a thorium reactor. Thorium and uranium were the two choices for the nuclear program originally. Thorium is considered to be a little bit safer, a little bit more um, complicated, I guess. Uh, it wasn't what uh, way back in World War II they chose. Uh, but, but the thing about a thorium reactor, which is really intri- intriguing, is that it can actually reduce uh, waste by, by converting it into fuel as well
11: okay all right now i I did have believe it or not this audience you'd be surprised who calls here uh, someone who actually knew a lot about that and explained about how that waste can be either disposed of or stored somewhere we had an interesting conversation about that so that brings me to the next question then so the energy goes to where is that for the state of wyoming do we sell that to other states a little bit of both
8: yeah so so Glen Wyoming is an energy export state and and so this this energy would go on the grid uh, for Rocky Mountain Power and ultimately Pacific power. and uh, just just like the coal that's produced uh, in a place like Jim Bridger or Naughton or uh, Dave Johnson, it goes into the grid and it gets used elsewhere what's important about and I you know I keep wanting to come back and emphasize we already know how to use coal and we can do it better uh, but what's important about coal or uranium nuclear type of reactor is that they're dependable dispatchable power so right. they're 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 the kind of thing that uh, that is there 24-7, bad weather, good weather. And, and that, as we saw in Texas, as we saw yeah. last summer in California, is something that this country needs. So it'll be sold out of state. About ninety, what 98% or something like that will be sold out of state. Okay.
11: All right. And that brings us to the next question then. And I know you probably don't know the answer to this yet, but let's ask the next question. So the plant gets built where? Because I saw four different possibilities come up
8: so that's what rocky mountain is going to start doing they're going to go to each of the communities they've identified so that you know that would be Gillette that'd be Glen Rock that'd be uh, Rock Springs and that would be Kemmer and they're going to talk with stakeholders they're going to look at uh, a couple of the things that are really important to making the project economic are uh, the ability to access existing grid network uh the ability to not have to you know kind of stand something up from the bottom so i think there the hope is that they can use some of the existing plant footprint to be able to uh, basically build this new reactor uh, inside it so so they'll they'll be over the next couple of years in every community talking about that and then from that they'll make an assessment of where it should go
11: and one of the first things i heard from people when we talked about getting a power plant was they thought well might as well just build it where there's an existing facility because all the infrastructure is already there so i guess you're saying just take an existing coal plant and just refit it essentially right yeah and
8: And yeah, and I think what's what's really important to remember is that like in Jim Bridger, there are four units and it won't replace the whole plant. It it simply would be one of the units. Mm -hmm.
11: Okay. So how long does it take to build something like this? Because we're dealing, especially with the federal government. Now you and I both know, if you and I decided to get into a business venture together and we didn't have a whole lot of uh, federal government involvement, then we could probably get whatever the business is up and running within a year or so. But since the feds have to be involved, how long are we talking before we finally have a nuclear plant running in the state of Wyoming?
8: Well, I I think it's probably around seven. That may be a bit optimistic. But, you you know, Glenn, your point is well taken. And when it comes to nuclear, uh, it, it is a really complicated uh, set of regulations. So you have the Nuclear Regulatory Commission, uh, you have the Bureau of Land Management, you'll have the EPA, you'll have uh, you, you know a host of other agencies that FERC and, and, and others, and they all have to do their thing. So it is a long, long way. And what, what I want to assure the people of Wyoming is that along that way, they'll have plenty of opportunity to uh, talk about, uh, understand, and get to know better what the prospects of this plant are.
11: Now, as you and I are talking, there's already people sending me notes, some listeners out there. Chet is in Yoder. He says, hey, Jeffrey City. Well, oh, that would make sense. I mean, get that town started again. Rick is in Glen Rock. He says, uranium mine right here. Makes sense. Just go ahead and do it right here. And then, of course, we have a uh, friend of ours in Laramie, Deborah. She her basic question is, Governor, what's the catch? I don't know. Well, I think, <laughs> yeah, catch, I think that there's usually a catch, right?
8: That's a good question. <laughs> yeah. And 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 that I think you know is part of the whole regulatory process. We'll be asking questions. Uh, you know, as I said, really on the face right now. Uh, they're bringing in a billion dollars, more or less, of, of investment to Wyoming, uh, offering us the jobs that they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wyoming isn't being asked to front any of this. Uh, uh, and, uh, you, you know, so we'll, we'll see. We'll ask this along with everybody else. We have our own agencies that will doing, be doing some of the regulation. Uh, and, and and we'll do our best to make sure that uh, yeah. the people of Wyoming actually understand exactly what they are. And I'd be interested so to see,
11: well, since we're talking nuclear, that's, that's such a specialty. How many of the jobs mean we have to bring in people from out of state? There will be some. And how many people are from in-state that were working at a coal plant that can find themselves working at this plant? I'm sure there's going to be some of that, too.
8: Yeah, I think there's a little bit of both, but when let me say that, that it was a little bit, um, because of the understanding that things were going to change that, that I, uh, spent time with, uh, Ed Seidel and the presidents of the community colleges to say, uh, you know, we need to do a better job of making sure there's access from our communities right back to the university. So that as people need to get additional skills or higher degrees, they can do that right in their hometown without having to pull their kids out of school or their spouse out of a job they may have and move them to Laramie or somewhere else. So so we're really trying to position Wyoming to be ready to adapt and, and meet the needs of new industries as they come to Wyoming.
11: Okay. Governor, I know you've got a busy day ahead of you, so I'll go ahead and let you go. But as this develops, and I know this is going to develop over a period of time, like you said, at least seven years. This is for dealing with the federal government. And I expect protesters, by the way. We're talking nukes. So there's going to be some opposition to this as well. It's going to be interesting to see where that comes from. But anytime you want to come on and talk about how we progress here, phone's always open for you. Thanks for coming on this morning.
5: AM 650 KGAB, that interview that Glenn Woods did this past week with Governor Gordon about the uh, nuclear power plant. If you were with us earlier, uh, we had Dr. Martin from the University of Wyoming. He expressed some concerns about some of the safety features, and uh, I'm sure this is a discussion that'll be ongoing. You can uh, read more about it, of course, at KGAB.com
6: language with ease go to babbel.com to try for free that's b-a-b-b-e-l.com
1: we're here early before
4: they wake up we stay late we stay informed we invest in the latest technology
2: we take the time to train the next generation of doctors and nurses We work together to make sure we heal their bodies and their minds.
3: We do this not because it's our job, but because this is about our veterans lives. This is our mission. More than 300,000 of us working as one together with families and loved ones. No matter where they live in this country,
10: we'll be there.
7: We all come together. stand together to serve our veterans we stand strong united stand with us in caring for our veterans
5: am 650 kgab cheyenne's number one news talk radio station we do have just a couple of moments of open phones here if you have something on your mind 632-6500-632-3323 checking items at our website. At KGAB.com, severe thunderstorms are expected to fire up across southeast Wyoming and the Nebraska Panhandle this afternoon. That's according to the National Weather Service in Cheyenne. Uh, The National Weather Service says all types of severe weather are possible, including 2-inch hail, 70-mile-per-hour winds, maybe a few tornadoes, and flash flooding. Uh, thunderstorms expected along and east of interstate 25 in southeast wyoming and the western nebraska panhandle severe thunderstorms possible especially in the panhandle uh, still a chance we could get some here though all types of severe weather are possible storm threat eases west to east by early evening quite the hailstorm we had through here last night we had people uh, go to our Facebook page and send us some photos. Um, typical Cheyenne weather situation. Some people really got rocked. Some people didn't get much of anything, but there was some pretty severe hail out there. Uh, you know, it's it's that time of year. I have spoken with meteorologists at the National Weather Service in past interviews who have told me that the area between Denver and Cheyenne is the world capital for hail. Not the national capital, not even the hemisphere capital. It's the world capital. We certainly get a lot of it. and We get we get big hail here sometimes. Um, if you've been here for a while, you remember a couple of storms we had back in, I think it was 2011, uh, that really did some serious damage. Uh, Pine Bluffs got hit with a big storm here a few years back. Uh, Hail is always a concern this time of year heavy rain. We've had had a weird weather year already. That snowstorm in March, that was something else. And then we had uh, 2.37 inches of rain about a week and a half ago. Some pretty significant hail with that storm. Uh, A lot of flooded basements. Streets got flooded. That was the 10th wettest day in Cheyenne history. And uh, we've, we've had some significant weather already. It's only June 19th. Tomorrow, by the way, is the official first day of summer. So we'll See what that brings.
7: You're
13: listening to Cheyenne's News and Talk Station, AM 650, KGAB, Orchard Valley, Cheyenne, a town square media station.
6: Mom and Dad used to argue about everything, especially about Dad's drinking. It drove me crazy. It got so bad, I couldn't do my homework. I couldn't concentrate. I absolutely refused to let any of my friends come to our house for any reason. I would have been humiliated if anyone found out how much my dad drank and how loud my mom screamed at him. My family went from totally crazy to quiet, calm, and even peaceful. The only thing that happened is my mom started going to Al-Anon family groups. Her relationship with my dad really changed. I asked mom if she would take me to her Al-Anon meetings or to Alateen. I wanted to see if I could have a better relationship with my dad. I'm sure glad I did. If someone's drinking troubling you, you might be surprised at what you can learn in an Al-Anon or Alateen family group from people just like you. Call 1-888-4ALANON or go to alanon.org.
7: I'm probably okay
13: to have one more drink before I drive home. I'm probably okay I open the window to stay alert. Probably okay, I just pop some gum in my mouth. Step out of the car, please. I probably made a mistake.
6: Probably okay isn't okay when it comes to drinking and driving. If you see a warning sign, stop and call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzzed driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. There's one thing you can never have sex without.
2: It's consent.
6: Because sex without it isn't sex. It's rape. It's on us to stop sexual assault.
2: Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org.
5: AM 650, KGAB, Cheyenne's number one news talk radio station, winding down another edition of Weekend in Wyoming. By the way, I did hear from Stephen Brinkley. Uh, He did run into some technical issues, so we'll schedule him for next week. Uh, Stephen Brinkley with a local veterans organization, and we'll be chatting next Saturday about, let me pull this event up again, the uh, Guns of Wyoming inaugural event. Now, that's coming up July 17th at Shadow Ridge Drive off of Horse Creek Road in Cheyenne. Uh, we did have Steve scheduled today. He ran in some, into some tech issues. It happens. So we'll schedule him for next week and we'll talk all about it. Also, the Veterans Help Foundation of Wyoming and just a little bit about veterans in general. What are some of the challenges veterans face? Uh, what's it like being a veteran in Cheyenne? All that kind of thing. Which we have a huge veteran population. One thing that's. Uh, I think notable about our population, and I've never seen any actual numbers on this, but just anecdotally, I can tell you, there are a lot of folks who serve, for example, at F.E. Warren Air Force Base, you know, in the Air Force, uh, think Cheyenne's a nice place to live and they come back here to retire. I don't know what the, uh, what the proportion of our military veterans is in, in, uh, regard to the, or, uh, in relation to the total population of Cheyenne, but I can tell you it's probably a little higher than most places. We have a lot of veterans, so veterans' issues, I think, are something that are always topical. Good to have you along here on a Saturday, clouding up outside. Hopefully no more storms like we got last night. That was just a little too intense. Uh, I didn't get that much at my house. Well, I've, I slept through it, to be really honest. Uh, but I can tell you that a lot of people did get some pretty significant hail. Some of the photos uh, sent to our Facebook page, pretty amazing. In fact, if you have a photo or a video of hail that you'd like to, uh, to send to us, you can still do that at our Facebook page. Our uh, DME Ben Coon set up a a Facebook post, it's only on Facebook, I believe, about uh, veterans, not veterans, about uh, hail photos, uh, hail videos, what did you get at your house, all that sort of thing. So you can send that to us if you'd like to share some of your Uh, personal experiences from the storm last night have a safe weekend be careful this afternoon if the weather does uh, does go badly just watch the skies and be careful have a great weekend i've enjoyed being with you once again on a saturday you're in tune with am 650 kgab cheyenne orchard valley
2: mother nature kicking up a storm I'm Roger Stern, Fox News. It's still early in the hurricane season, but there's a tropical storm named Claudette, which is threatening the Gulf Coast. Eric
12: Blake with the National Hurricane Center. We're expecting uh, total rainfall of 5 to 10 inches with isolated totals of 15 inches possible across portions of the central Gulf Coast. Uh, This could cause life-threatening flash floods from uh, coastal Mississippi and Alabama uh, into uh, the far western Florida panhandle.
2: All this as much of the nation faces a heat wave. Health experts say this week's record-breaking temperatures are an emergency, adding that heat is responsible for more deaths in the U.S. than all other natural. Disasters combined. Texas is busy raising funds on its own to build more border wall. This is after President Biden stopped the wall's construction. Governor Greg Abbott announced a $250 million down payment on the wall. And Texas Republican Congressman Lance Gooden tells Fox & Friends he too is worried about the influx of migrants. We have been overrun uh, by crossings of people
9: that we we can't contain. Uh, we've got children. Uh, I've asked this administration what they're doing with children. How are we making sure uh, that these children are not being trafficked? Are they really coming over uh, with their parents? or Are they being trafficked by cartel members? I have introduced a bill to require DNA testing at the border to determine whether or not the trafficker or the parent, whoever they say they are, is that really them? The
2: Biden administration says it's working to solve the migrant issue in a humanitarian way. Searchers reportedly found the remains of an American student who went missing in Russia several days ago. The body of 34-year-old Catherine Saras was discovered near the city of Boer, a suspect under arrest. America is listening to Fox
5: News.
13: Connect to Fox News Audio on the Fox News app. Listen to hear your favorite hosts like Brian Kilmeade, Jimmy Fallon, and Guy Benson standing up for what's right live and via podcast. Just click listen, then swipe right and hear the latest news updates on your time. And scroll down to hear the latest podcasts from Fox News. And it's even easier to listen in the car with Apple CarPlay and Android Auto. Get programming alerts and notifications. Fox News Audio is on the Fox News app. The voices America trusts. Download it now from the Fox News Podcasts Network.
7: I'm Ben Domenech, publisher of The Federalist, and I'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers out there about the country and where we're going. It's the Ben Domenech Podcast. You can subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, foxnewspodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts. This new show will feature deep dive interviews with newsmakers and some of your favorite Fox News analysts. I hope you'll join me. Subscribe to the
13: Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcast.com.
2: Does the United States need a new flag? Apparently one well-known musician thinks so. Fox's Kevin Urefsky explains. Five-time Grammy
7: nominee Macy Gray wrote an op-ed for Market Watch this week stating her opinion that the American flag is an outdated symbol which no longer represents all of us. Gray believes there should be two more stars for Puerto Rico and Washington, D.C. and that the white stripes which represent purity are incorrect, writing, America is great. It is beautiful. Pure, it ain't. It is broken and in pieces. Gray also advocated that the stars be redone in a wide range of colors to represent the different skin tones of all Americans. Gray's ideas have created a social media storm with some supporting her, but many not. Arizona Congressman Andy Biggs tweeting, for example, if you don't like the American flag, feel free to leave. Kevin Uretzky.
2: Fox News. Afghanistan is running out of oxygen to treat patients as it faces its third surge of COVID. Hospitals are now rationing supplies. Today is Juneteenth, the day the last slave in the U.S. was emancipated, and this is the first time it's a national holiday, declared that this week by President Biden. Texas Republican Senator John Cornyn
12: everybody needs to read more and understand and appreciate our history sometimes we avoid that because it's painful frankly because we were we hypocritically said that all men and women are created equal but did not live that out and uh, the country's paid a terrible price for it and it continues even today
2: a sad day for the first family one of president biden's two dogs has died champ was a 13-year-old german shepherd and has been with a family since joe biden was elected vice president in 1988 the biden's described champ as their constant cherished companion i'm roger stern fox news